This is Declan Shalvey, uh, writer, artist of Moon Knight and Time Before Time, and uh, you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> have been practicing. You can't tell me you haven't. Hey, man. It's, it's only been 800 and now the first week. So, yeah. I've been practicing. This is Phase 2. This is the EOC Audio Universe Phase 2. <laughs> We're just getting started. Age of Apocalypse Edition. Yeah. Jay would like that. No, he probably would. Oh, you like... You mean, you mean Tomio? Yeah, of course I meant Tomio, but you liked Age of Apocalypse. Hell. Mm. He did break up. What? Yeah, you're... Hell, and then yeah, you it's very problematic. Maybe it's the short in his in his headset, but we'll deal with it. East of the sun, west of the moon, it's 11 o'clock comics, episode 801. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and I am Conrad Hauser, but you can call me Duke. Oh, some things you just never relinquish. You love G.I. Joe, don't you? Hell yeah. Yep. What do you think of those new figures that were up there today? Did you order them? Uh, I ordered Kamakura, but I passed on the uh, army building uh, ninja pack. Do you already have a ninja? No, I don't. No, I, I don't. No, I just don't find the appeal in like random ninjas. Doesn't doesn't appeal to me. It's like stormtroopers. Yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I never understood. I mean, if I had a diorama or something, and I was like setting up stuff, I could see buying a bunch to make. But I, I don't. You know, that's not. I don't have that. So right. They're getting you though. Kamakura was thirty four dollars for a single figure. What are they usually? Well, they were. I mean, they were twenty five a year a year ago, and now they're. Then they were the last bunch were twenty nine. Now they're thirty four. It's like whew. that. That's crazy. Yeah. You know what's not crazy? What's not crazy? Our Patreon supporters. That's true. Uh, well, I, some of them may be a little. Some of them are good, kind of crazy. Yeah, I was just gonna yeah, say that crazy that's good because yeah. they are there for us each and every month. And uh, we like to give back to them with audio, video, images, multiple times a day. And the best, well, second best thing of all, next week is Heroes. And our Patreon feed is going to be inundated with stuff. Hours and hours and hours of stuff. We do it every time we go to a show, uh, depending on the quality of the show. Um, Wizard World, maybe we give them about 10 minutes. But Heroes, we're going to give them hours of stuff. Behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, audio to and from the convention. Uh, it's going to be great. And don't forget the dedicated Slack channel where we meet day in and day out and discuss everything, all things various and sundry. Now, naturally, the topic lately has been heavy on heroes because there's a lot of people on the Slack who are going, and they're very excited, as expected, right? If you would like to see what this whole Patreon thing is about, go to patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics. One, one, no apostrophe. Check it out. Did I get that URL right? 
What did you say it was? Wow, what happened? Were you on mute? Me? No. Yeah, I'm on mute because my dog's barking. Oh, that's okay. Patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics. One, one, no apostrophe. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's getting old and forgetting shit. <laughs> oh, old and shit. Yeah, but I did not forget the libations for this episode. I bet you didn't. That's good. Yeah. Um, I have been overindulging. I've been opening a bottle of wine and finishing it with every episode. And uh, I don't want to feel like crap tomorrow. I have been feeling like crap on Thursdays because, as Jason said, it's a whole lot of sulfides, right? <laughs> it's a lot of sulfides. Yes. So um, what I did, I, I figured if I can compartmentalize my drinking, meaning if I open it and I finish it and it's 12 ounces, then I'm good, right? So I picked up some IPAs today. And I have three. This may be counterproductive, I don't know, but I have three. Uh, from New Belgium, I have Voodoo Ranger Experimental IPA. I have... Uh, who's this from? Oh, Flying Dog. This is called Snake Dog IPA. And I have from Oscar Blues, Can O Bliss ipa get it cano bliss it's got it's green and i'm sure it's infused with some kind of 420 related substance so uh there we go also got cbd oil in it i don't know we're gonna see all right yeah nice i uh i am drinking Hold on. Make sure I get it right. <laughs> H2O. The two is on the bottom. Lime plus watermelon, naturally flavored, and other natural flavors. Aha! Sparkling water. Nice. Aha! Now, you're going to put the uh, the regimen on pause next week, I hope? Uh, I mean, partially? To I a mean, degree, I would imagine. Uh, yeah. 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 Like, like if there's a good reason to. Like, not like, just like... Willy Similar Billy. to Emerald City. He's yeah, not, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's not going to be approved. He's not going to. Right, but right, yeah, right. He'll, yeah, he's not going to be stupid. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, like, he's, I'm he's not going to like. stupid to us. Yeah. Right. It's just All a way right. of life now, so it's not really even hard anymore. So it's more like. Straight edge. Well. Nah, <laughs> yeah, not I, quite, but yeah. Nah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'll get my drink on. That's not, I don't mind getting my drink on. It's not. I just don't drink beer anymore. I haven't a beer in year and a half but i but i i mean i'll drink the wine i'll drink a mixed drink might do like a you know some kind of vodka drink at the you know at the weston bar you know we'll see but uh if someone buys it for you you're committed right no not at all no in fact i'm going to make sure that no one i'll, I'll make it clear that uh ah. yeah no if someone well, buys, buys me something i'm not going to drink then i'll hand it off to someone who will drink it well you're going to make sure that they know but behind the scenes there may be someone else telling people to buy you drinks just saying. so that they can but, hand them off to you sure. no just yeah, like just like they're, especially if it's a drink i like yeah yeah there may be somebody bidding you up on the auction again this year oh, snap. listen oh, there's snap. a lot of, i mean there are a lot of serious art collectors coming to heroes so i think the art auction is going to be wildly entertaining and plentifully bid if there's uh, good art well we'll see 
especially if there are people that make me look like the like a piker when it comes to the art market <laughs> and I'm going to be heroes. Well, I mean, what I was referring to is when I was bidding you up. Oh, I remember. Yeah. I think that's the first time we were in Rod's presence, isn't it? And um, he, he was behind us, and he was laughing every was time I bid you up. <laughs> Is that the first time? Because I believe so. Because he's been to C2E2 as well, right? I never remember anything about C2E2. I don't know if Rod's been to C2E2. No? Oh, okay. Yeah. I honestly don't remember when we met Rod. I think it was Heroes. Probably our first year at Heroes, Jason. Okay. Yeah. Wait. Dap, what are you drinking? It's hard to see in the crowd. He's a little... Oh, that's not nice. He's not that little. <laughs> he's, he's a short he's five, dude. He's pretty, that's pretty small. He's not Popo Gijo or Topo Gijo. <laughs> and, so. and everybody's got a mullet down there, so it's not like... You know. Hervé Villachez. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Rod. Uh, the plane. <laughs> <laughs> goodness. Yeah. I am, um, I am enjoying the... Well, it's about halfway done now. Uh, I, I'm having a delicious... Manhattan, courtesy of the uh, Bartesian. And when this is done, and I still have some of this uh, cube left, I'm just going to have a little bit of a splash of um, small batch 1792 Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, which is a 93.7 proof, 46.85% alcohol by volume. I like it. Yeah, that's a man's drink. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, that's probably uh, wrong to say in this day and age, but it is on yeah. all levels. But that's cool. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> let's talk about some comics. Yeah, well, let's quickly talk about some video games first. Okay. Because EOC family members, speaking of our patrons. Oh right, right, right. I got Mr. You. Peter Drummond has been a supporter of the show in all ways for. Really, as long as it's existed, he was one of the early early Slack patrons. He's uh, always was heavily involved in the forums. He's he's always been a, a, a contributing member to the to the group in in all ways. And Peter has, uh, along with a team of coworkers, a small team. They have a game company, and their game Revita, R E V I T A, was nominated for the 2022 Game Maker Awards for Best Game. And it's a big deal for them. A huge deal, in fact. Sure. Uh, it's the kind of thing where if they win, um, you know, it could propel their company to new heights. Um, certainly can't hurt. So, uh, Peter never asks for anything, but he, you know, quietly, just in our little small group, asked us if we would vote for uh, Ravita uh, for best game on the uh, award because it's a there's a open voting process in this uh, on a website so anybody can vote and um, I figured it couldn't hurt to uh, also extend this uh, bit of information out to the uh, to the broadest audience that we have which is our podcast listeners uh, we we shared the link in our Slack we shared the link in our on our Facebook group and many people have voted for it already which is awesome. But uh, we have uh, many, many, many more times people, as we know, listen to the show and, and don't participate in the in the groups. Uh, so if you're listening to this and you have you need roughly 15 seconds of your life to uh, to do this and you don't need to give them your email address, don't need to give them any personal information either. So it's not intrusive in any way. Just takes the time to type in the URL and click. Uh, it would be a, a favor to us. 
to yes. help a friend. So, and uh, uh, you don't even have to type it in because the link mm-hmm. will accompany the show notes for this episode on 11oclockcomics.com. Beautiful. Yeah. So just so, go yeah. go to episode 801, click on it, and you will be greeted by text and images. And within that text, there's a blue vote for Ravita, and just click on that, and it'll take you right to the page. But you Love can it. give Let's them it, you can give them the URL if you would like. That's you know double blind. Okay. Just do it. Yeah. Well, it's, it is a long URL, so so I'm glad you're betting the link. But it's it's game maker all one word dot io. It seems to be the new URL hotness now. It seems like right. Um, yeah. So it's GameMaker.io slash en for English slash blog slash awards dash twenty twenty two dash vote. So it's long, like I said. Yeah. But it's it's GameMaker.io en well, slash en slash blog slash awards dash twenty twenty two dash vote, and the game is Ravita. So for those of you that, that have the you know the time to go ahead and do that, even in fact, why don't you do it right now while you're listening? Much appreciated. Yep. He's a good man. Facts. Yeah. That was very nice of you to remind us about that. Keeping it 100, right? Yep. Family's family. It's true. Yeah. So, uh, comics, my dudes. Hmm. Heard of those things. Yeah. What, What do we have? What'd you bring to the table? Look at my list. It's long. It is. Yes, it is. Uh, so just pick something from that list and run <laughs> been with it. A lot, <laughs> been reading a lot of the comics. Um, it's it's actually nice. it's actually ridiculous. Um, I love you, but yeah. when when you received a book in the mail that I received this oh. week, and you're like, "Yeah, it's on my list. I read it." I was like, "There's no freaking way that I you." I sat down and read it. Right, like I literally took a picture of me as I was sitting down to read it. How long did it take you to read it? 40 minutes? Oh, Jesus. Stop. You're, bra- you're hurting my heart. What? Yeah. Did you read it yet? It's not on your list. So I, I it, no, I did read it. I did. I just didn't oh. update my list. But okay. uh, I, I don't think you can immerse yourself within that book in 45 minutes. I really, okay. I really don't. But I mean, hey, you do you. <laughs> okay. Do you want to talk um, about that at all before? Yeah, we... sure. I, okay. I thought it was fantastic. Why don't you tell uh, them what I, it is? I ordered it. I'm trying to. Re- I don't. I think I ordered it because you pointed it out. Yeah, because it was a Kickstarter or some. It was a Kickstarter or some other crowdfunding thing, right? It was a pre. You had to pre-order it. Yes. Uh, normally, what you do is you go to Piao Studio, uh, their website, and you could order from their online shop. But this one, I, I if memory serves, this one was a pre-order. Okay, yeah. and they—I think they only did uh, a, a disturbingly small amount of these things. Like it's—it's well, it's under what three thousand? I think I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. It's beautiful. It's—we're uh, talking about X Mag, uh, X Mag Volume Four, Mech, Mechs, plural. Sorry. Uh, like I said, Vince—I think <laughs> pointed this out to me, and it is a—it uh, is a anthology, a soft cover. Manga sized, you know, but although you read it left to right, so it's it's English style. Uh, but it's I, I am not familiar with X Mag one through three. Oh. Although I've, after reading this, I I feel like I would like to be. Yeah, you need them. Yeah, you need them. And uh, it is um, it is as you might imagine, given its name, a anthology of uh, science fiction stories focused on mech, mecha, mechs, you know. 
humanoid, as they say in the introduction, humanoid uh, ro- humanoid machines, giant piloted humanoid machines. That's the that's their definition of mech. And um, I think, first of all, you know, our how many anthologies we each read in a given year can vary depending on the year. Sometimes I feel like I read a lot. Sometimes I feel like I don't read that many. Uh, but we do have the 11 O'Clockers best anthology or favorite anthology each year. And this is certainly deeply in the running at this point. I mean, we've got a, another half a year, so I'm not going to say it's going to win. But man, oh, man, do I think uh, it's going to be in the running, if not if not the winner. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. And I, uh, I was blown away. I didn't know really almost any of these creators. Uh, and like we always say with anthologies, there are varying degrees of, of, of I don't think it's possible to read a, a big chunky anthology and feel like every story is, is amazing um, for whatever reason, but but I don't ever judge anthologies that way. I always view it as there's going to be you know one or two stories that maybe don't connect with me, and then there's going to be some I think are okay, and, uh, and then there's going to be a few that are going to be absolute bangers, and as long as it's tilted more towards the, the I like them and they're bangers than they're bad, then it feels like it was really worth my time. And I'd say this one definitely uh, skews even more. Yeah. I thought the art, first of all, this art was wildly distinctive in each, in each story, which, which is great. Um, And I thought that the art, although totally different in its approach was, was amazing. Uh, I mean, there's some incredible technical pieces in here. Uh, You know, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. There's some, you know, really, really luscious, action sequences uh i thought it was great i mean i really did i i didn't i i like i said you, you maybe thought i read it, read it too fast but i i read it that fast because i was totally engaged in it okay it, it flew by and i thought it was uh it was terrific so uh thank you for turning me onto it because i don't remember i don't think this was ever solicited in the conventional way and i don't know if it's easy to find now i know like you said it was a little smaller print run so yeah i do believe volume four is sold out um yeah, as tough. is i think volume three uh, so you're unfamiliar with this anthology, and yeah. so I will tell you what the deal is. Each mm-hmm. anthology is themed. Right. I gathered that just because yeah. this one was. But yeah. The first one was called Full Metal, Full Metal Dreamland, and it was a cyberpunk anthology. Okay. Uh, volume 2 was a paranormal romance anthology called Cross My Heart. The third mm-hmm. was a dark fantasy, uh, subtitled Crumbling Kingdom. And this one is um, Mecca, just plain yeah. Mecca, right? But they have a very limited palette. Uh, each one has, I don't think, more than two colors. This one is... True, lots of oranges and blues. Right, right. So they, yeah. they, they limit it and they stick with it. Every story is uh, features the same... Um, Two colors in variations, uh, mm-hmm. but some of them, uh, as with the uh, this, the second last story in this that reads traditional um, uh, Japanese style, is just printed with um, blue ink. So sticking with the palette, but not completely. And I, I think this volume is is as good or better than all of the ones that came before and that's really saying something because mm-hmm. as Jason said the the art is just breathtaking and it's not there's no house style yeah and the it, thing is too is in a lot of uh a lot of indie 
uh, or self-published or crowdsourced anthologies, many of which we've talked about on the show in the last few years and liked, um, even like something like a Dagger Dagger, you know, there's some art that's a little more rough around the edges. Like, it can still be good and right. still further the story, but it's, you know, a little less polished or it's the kind of art that maybe works in the vein of of, of the anthology and the spirit of the work that you're reading, but it, it it's not like a style that would translate to, you know, uh, getting hired at, at, at a, a more commercial publisher. Mm-hmm. But this, I mean, pretty much all the art in this is 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 of that quality. I mean, it, yeah. it pretty like you could definitely see most of these artists without changing their style much doing you know big books at at, at other publishers. Well, the, the, as far as this show is concerned, the one of the only recognizable names from this anthology is Simon Roy. Simon Roy, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. who did? Uh, I mean, in my heart, he's best known for the Prophet work sure. he did. But uh, as you're going through the stories, you can see the uh, the antecedents. Like there are some stories that are very Gundam-esque. Then there's there's uh, especially in the the, the diagrams, uh, the visual uh, documentation of these mechs. Like it's almost a cross between Macross and Record of the Lodos War. Like and and you see Dugram in here and Pat Labor and like you can trace some of the the uh, overall aesthetic to things that have come before, but I don't think that these stories are beholden to any of that stuff. It's just like maybe the art or the creators were inspired by those works, and um, like there's a. Uh, Neon Genesis, there's a strong vibe of that in a lot of these uh, stories. But, I mean, those are the the uh, the nails that stick up the most in in the, the, the mecha genre, right? You have your, your poster children for that genre. And, of course, people love it with, you know, good reason. But uh, I just thought this anthology was stunning in every respect. It, it's just ridiculous how accomplished all of these artists work. And they're so different. Um, some are cartoony. Some are very, very realistic. Some are uh, super expressive. And some are uh, more design-based, where they play with shapes instead of line. And, and it's, it's, it's insane how good this anthology is. Um, it's the first one that came with a wraparound dust jacket. This one actually has a function. Because it's gorgeous, and it does not replicate the covers underneath, which is a big plus. It also has a fold-out right inside the front cover. It is amazing. It's just so, so wonderful. Um, I I really can't recommend this book enough. Uh, And as Jason said, I really think it's going to be a massive undertaking for something to eclipse this come... um, the Oscars. It's really that good. I'm glad you mentioned Dagger Dagger because I think it's on a par with that. Um, and maybe a little tick or two higher. Yeah, I mean, that's... I think Dagger Dagger... I think it's definitely on par with it from a uh, creative creative aesthetic, like the stories themselves and the the, the breadth of, of it. And although, I mean, even though this is thematic to, to Mech, you know, Dagger Dagger had its theme too. Um, but I think... And no, again, no shade to Dagger Dagger. I, I loved, love it. I loved it. 
uh, and I'm looking forward to the second one. But um, uh, I think the art in this is is uh, I think Dagger Dagger's art the highs maybe are as high as these in here, but I think the there's I think there's a wider range of of art accomplishment in Dagger Dagger, whereas here I think that it's a on average a, a higher a higher level a more complex level. Okay. Again, it, your your mileage may vary. I just I think that so I think this this gets a slight edge for me over that's Dagger hey, Dagger. That, that's overall. cool. And uh, we should mention that I think there's what there's thirteen stories, and it's just shy of three hundred pages of of comic. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Actually, uh, it ends on page 300 exactly. So, Yep. Um, if you go to the website, um, I don't exactly know what the URL is, but it's Piao Studio, P-E-O-W Studio. Um, and you see everything they have on offer. If you came for X-Mag Volume 4, chances are you're probably not going to get it. But um, if you're there for any of the other X-Mags, you're going to leave with more than that because their work across the board is really strong, exceptionally strong. And you won't be sorry. Yeah. And what do I know? Maybe X Mag Four is still available somewhere. Because guys on the Slack said that they 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 bought it. But uh, you might be able to get it from a, a retailer, a local retailer, or maybe an online. Yeah, retailer. this is true. This is true. Yeah, yeah. But it's worth every penny and more. It is. It is just a phenomenal, breathtaking uh, anthology. Yeah, it goes on. Yep. And if you want to see pictures from it, where do you go? Eleven o'clock comics dot com. Look at the ones in the episode link for this, and you will be bedazzled. <laughs> Dazzled. Yeah. Yes, sir. It is amazing. All right. I'm glad you liked it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it's mech. I mean, how, I mean who, who doesn't like mech? But that's it. And, and the stories, they're not all in the same track. There, there are some stories that are, most of the stories are about the occupants inside of the, the mechs. Or, or the circumstances around the uh, use of the mechs, like wars and all that other sort of stuff. But there's some that are about redemption. Like there's one story where this, this mech um, was notorious as being a very, very terrible thing and participated in a war and um, many, many people were killed and it, it, it was decommissioned and, and they need it for something. So they, uh, one person um, takes a chance on it and uses it for good. And it's a, it's a really great story. It's about um, uh, breaking with programming and, and finding a heart. And, and uh, the, I don't want to spoil it, but the, the end involves the, uh, the uh, technology coming to terms with humanity and, and in a physical way, like they touch and that's what turns the tide from this, this, this horrible war machine. It's a really great story. And it leads off the, the volume, I believe, which is great. It sets the tone. Like you, there's a lot of things in this volume that are very unexpected. Uh, it's wonderful. I'm gonna shut up now. Yeah. Word up. Hey, who knows? Maybe there'll be copies of heroes. You never know. Right. You never know. It should be a retail extravaganza either way. Well, I hope they reprint it if they sold out because this, something like this should never fade into obscurity. It should be – I'm the guy that's saying it because I'm not footing the bill for it. But um, when you have material that's this strong, I think it should be kept in print as, as long as possible. Yeah. No but, doubt. Yeah. 
What else do we have? I read the um, read the second issue of Twig, the fantastic limited series that uh, is being brought to you by uh, good friend Scotty Young and his friend Kyle Strom and uh, Jean-Francois Vio and uh, they pico on on uh, colors and letters respectfully. Um, I really, as much as I enjoyed the first issue, getting the lay of the land, so to speak, and 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 setting up our characters, um, ending on a bit of a cliffhanger, setting things up where uh, not quite sure what the next step is. I thought they packed a lot into the second issue, and I. I loved it. Uh, maybe a little more than the first issue. I just, I obviously need the first to get to here, but um, seeing seeing our hero uh, and Splat just, you know, trying to come to terms with with what they're facing and and uh, and and maybe fix this problem. Um, I I just. I really, really am kind of strapped in for where we're going from here. I mean, I was all in to begin with, but I mean, to to, to get a glimpse of what may come now and um, other creatures and characters that, that were being introduced to in this world, um, in in this issue, to, to continue the story. Because um, you know, my man's still wandering. He's still on his quest and... and He's has a uh, he's on a mission, but it's just I, I I can't look away from Kyle's art. It, it's absolutely mesmerizing. Um, but I I also feel for Twig. I mean, he's he's just trying to make the best of a situation. He's kind of more or less reluctantly um, accepted. But um, you know, there's 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 some weight here. There's there's consequences and and uh, just to you, 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 I'm rooting for the guy. You kind of for the best, but I mean there are things that come up where you just you're not quite sure how um, he uh, he may get out of it. But in this issue, we 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 there's there's a glimpse of hope um, and uh, and there are. The elements that are needed to continue and 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 complete the mission, uh, and and then again on the last page, there's just you know the big reveal of of where uh, the final element is is to be obtained, and and good luck getting there. And I just I'm like just just trying to figure out like where what what is going um, what is going to be next, and I just I I think that um, I. I really have to uh, give it to Scotty and Kyle and company for um, for creating this book, creating these characters, um, putting this in this world that, you know, after a couple dozen pages, I just, I feel like I, I'm actually concerned. I, I, I care about the characters, I care about this world, and I, um, it, it is similar to the way, you know, you might feel reading Bone for the first time, and, and you just, you're, 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 
you there's a connection there and 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 there's just you want to just see everything work out and and Scotty throws things in Twig's way that you know you just kind of aren't real sure if it's going to work out or what he may lose if it does actually um work out twig, twig is still it's it's amazing it it's 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 one of it it has quickly become uh again with just two issues a book that i i really look forward to to uh to getting in in the box so i can uh i can see what the hell we're doing next um i don't know if i'll continue to read the image previews as they come out it's something that i think i might just wait until i actually have the book in my hand to to see where we're going but at the same time i want to read the image preview because i want to know what the hell we have in store and uh and and it's just yeah i just i really really am enjoying twig a lot a lot more than i mean i knew i would i knew i figured you know listen scotty's writing it it should be fun but um and the preview pages would cow's work and again we, we've said before that this looks nothing like spread looks nothing like anything else the man's drawn for us before um but uh yeah i um i'm i'm blown away by it and it's has surpassed uh any expectations i had for it i thought it'd be fun and and, and a cute little book but it it has it's gone way beyond that for me so yeah i just i'm i'm Glad I got to read it and really, really um, can't wait for that third issue now. Yeah. Well, I mean, Scotty's smart enough to ride the coattails of a stronger artist, which is, you know, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I'm kidding. Um, I, I think it's very Henson-esque. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is, is expected, right? I mean. No doubt. You, you cannot ever underplay the effect that jim henson had on a yeah of bazillions of creative types but uh this well, scotty it, loves never-ending story That's right his favorite things of all time but it's henson-esque without being a pastiche or mm-hmm. a, or aping that stuff it's uh, and um i i hate to do this because we are a comic uh a sequential art themed podcast but uh, and we should stay within the pages. But when I see stuff like this, that's as vivid and as as real as 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 Twig, I'm thinking Scotty is is the smartest guy in the room because he's crafting this world that would work that works exceptionally well on the comic page for which it was designed, right? But there are so many other options for this it would work as a television show it would work mm-hmm. as a cartoon it would transition extremely well to children's books which are comics but whatever uh, uh, there's even a, a video game aspect to this book like the he has uh, permutations i think in play that that maybe he does maybe he doesn't but the the point i'm trying to make is i think they're there already so he's he's become a creator that works in in multiple uh, mediums without even trying. Like his stuff just lends itself very well to transition or translation into other 
media. And it's crazy. Like, maybe he is planning it. But I, I, I've always said that Scotty is, is, is one of the most intelligent people, if not the intel most intelligent person in the room, depending on the size of the room. If it's the size of Texas, maybe not. But, you know, he, he's just a very, very canny uh, craftsman. And I envy him because of that. I, I just think he's got all his ducks in a row every single time. But I'm with Dap. This one feels more um, harmonious with the Scotty Young aesthetic we've all come to know and love. Mm. It's it's the tuning fork. Boom. It's it's completely. Mm -hmm. uh, it, yeah. Well, it's all right. It's completely in tune with with the the vibration of Scotty Young. And I love it. And Kyle's doing phenomenal work. You're right. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Maybe Scotty will pick up a couple pointers. <laughs> he knows I'm kidding. <clears throat> he knows it. I think one of the things, too, that that, uh, that helps is kind of like with Dave Stewart doing all the Hellboy stuff, having uh, Jean-Francois color the yep. book really does, I think, tie it all in. And, uh, and and I'm pretty sure Jean-Francois wasn't a comic colorist until he started working with Scotty on Oz. And then I don't know that he's colored any one other than books that Scotty's been involved with since. But I do feel like he has developed a very distinctive palette, very bright, vibrant work, a lot of warm colors. And I, I, I think it's great. I think he's a huge part of this book. I totally agree. Yeah. And even in his, his low light uh panels or 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 scenes let's just say he manages to to infuse it with with warmth even though he does by necessity he uses a lot of a lot of cool colors but mm -hmm. uh, yeah he's really really good scott again scotty's smart like he just attracts great creators i'm i'm curious to, i should i I'll, I'll think of, if i think of it i'll ask guy when we see him but um i know that obviously the colors do play a huge part in in a book like twig for sure um i do wonder how much direction jean francois has or if he if, if there's anything that he figures you know i think this character or this setting or or this might look a little better like i I'm, I'm curious to know how much direction he has and how much is just do they just let i, I when 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 coming up with twig i'm sure they you know like we want him blue yeah, I was going to say that. Monster. Yeah, but I mean, there there are other things like maybe maybe the big bad or, or there are just other things where I'm just curious to know like how much does he just like I think this would look a little sharper if we colored it like this and and uh, I, I just I because like like you guys said he's been working with Scotty for a long time so how 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 long is that leash what what oh does I think Scotty it, just draw something and just say hey. How do you think this is going to look? And, and my man just colors it, and Scotty's like, "Well, that's fucking way better than I thought it was going to look." Yeah, so. I think at this point the leash is off. Like, other yeah, other think. than what you said, you know, twig is blue, splat is yellow. You know, just go nuts. You you've mm -hmm. served you served us well up until this point. Why would I second guess you now? Right. Yeah. 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 yeah I agree. Yeah. It's a good one. It's it keep coming. Excellent. Yeah, yeah it's sure. ridiculous. Just ridiculous. For sure. Uh, All right. Before, before uh, we ahead. move on to the uh, to 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 other pastors, I since we did start off the the show with a crowdsourced book, I did want to mention um, 
And uh, those of you that are on the uh, the social saw that I was excited to dive into this book the other day, um, and that is uh, Urban Animal, uh, which we talked about um, a few times a year or two back uh, when it started because it's been uh, it was it is a a uh, a web comic on webtoons. Uh, it is one of the most popular comics on webtoons. It has uh, well over five hundred thousand monthly subscribers which is insane uh people you know people don't realize how popular some of these web web comics really are uh much more so than print comics in many cases um and uh and it was my old classicers choice not last year but the year before uh for favorite web comic uh at its launch it's uh it's written by justin jordan of uh, luther strode frame uh with art by friend of the show uh john uh, ammer uh who uh you know has been a rep for the show for a long time um, and, uh, the, I mean, it's been going for a long time now. And so they crowdsourced a hardcover collection, first vol- volume one, uh, of it. And, uh, through rocket ship, which is doing some really interesting things, but we, as a publisher, rocket ship is, is pretty much a, a, their lot in life is, um, pulling together, uh, web comics for print. You know, that's kind of like their niche, you know, and, and, and they've done a great job with it because there's more to it. Like I was talking to John about this, um, like when they decided to, since it was a webcomic, when they decided to try and do it in print, at first they were reluctant, not because they were like had any philosophical issue with bringing it to print, but because the the way Webtoons is formatted, you know, it's not it doesn't lend itself to just capturing and putting on the pages in this, you know, it's different sizing, uh, you know, different different structure. It's it's strip form, um, so they didn't know how they were going to go about making a a, a physical collection of this, um, because it, you know it's John's full time job to draw the the web comic, and so absent like pausing the web comic for a few months so that John could reformat everything into a book. They just didn't know how they were going to do it. And so Rocket Ship, I guess, uh, came along, and they've done this for other uh, popular web comics. I believe they did the Lore Olympus book and a few others and uh, said, we'll do it for you. And so they, they they took the leap of faith, and I think Rocket Ship crushed it. It's uh, it's it's about – from a sizing perspective, I'd say it's digest size. So it's smaller than a, a typical single issue, but it's you know bigger than, say, a manga volume. Uh, it's a beautiful, thick hardcover. Uh, you got it's like kind of it's got the main characters embossed on the front cover, uh, along with an embossed logo. Uh, it's, so it's it's just beautifully pr- produced and really rich, glossy, high quality paper inside. Uh, and it uh, it captures three. It's three hundred and forty three pages in the book. So it captures, uh, you know, uh, the first big chunk of the webtoons. It's gone well past that. In fact, volume two. I believe they're hoping to solicit the campaign for volume two in September or October of this year. And uh, I would definitely recommend you get on that. But uh, as I said, when we talked about the web version, the, the premise is cool. And it's ve- like Spider-Man fans. I don't see how you won't love this. Um, it's it's that it's it's of that ilk. And certainly I think Justin and John are inspired as many as many storytellers have been over that kind of that ethos. But it's it, the story centers around a young well, he's high school aged uh, guy named Joe Gomez, 
and uh, he's he's you know he's he's a he's a cool kid though he's not he's not um, like a lovable loser he's he's good in school uh, he's in a band you know girls like him uh, you know life's going pretty well for him more like a like a you know like a Teen Wolf I guess you know like the the Michael J Fox kind of thing Jesus um, no I'm saying you know what I mean like like he's I gotcha. not like a lovable loser he's not he's not someone that like it's down in the dumps and then. He's, things are going pretty well for him. They're, they're going aces. And then shit starts going crazy because he starts, like, turning into not a werewolf, but, like, a saber-toothed tiger. You know, he's, he's like a were-tiger. And, of course, uh, at, at all the wrong times, right? Um, and uh, and that's how the story starts. And at first, like, I remember reading the first few chapters in Webtoons thinking, oh, okay, cool. This is kind of like, you know, like Teen Wolf and, you know, set in, like, comic world. But it really ends up being, and, and to their credit, it becomes so much more than that. Because, yes, the first time we see him transform, he transforms into a like a were saber tooth tiger. But we quickly learn that he has goes far beyond that. He's a chimera, which is a in this world there are a number of 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 of, of humans that are these chimera, and basically they are um, hosts for ancient animal spirits. Uh, gods, if you will, you know, from like a poly, a polytheistic type of a situation, you know, primal native gods, and uh, and and there are chimera who are seemingly for uh, evil and the destruction of society as we know it, and then there's a group of chimera who, at least in the beginning, we're told are uh, looking to stop all that from happening and protect the world. And uh, and and another chimera uh, who turns into a bunch of rats, which is interesting, like not one rat, but a bunch of rats, uh, approaches Joe and, and kind of walks him through, ends up being his mentor, walks him through his 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 history and tries to get him to understand that he can manifest a lot more power. Joe, Joe can Joe quickly learns he can manifest into into lots and lots of different creatures. So it's almost like more like a Beast Boy type of a thing. Um and uh, and then it just becomes this whirlwind adventure where he's 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 learning more and more about himself, his powers. He's learning a lot of the things he's initially told are bullshit, uh, and he's meeting with increasingly difficult odds in terms of other chimera and ne'er do wells who are trying to uh, impede his progress and or cause uh, just general harm. Uh, and he he you know he plays the uh, at first the reluctant, but then he embraces the hero role. Uh, and then to their to their credit, you know, because this is an ongoing webcomic. The way they structured this first volume is you get what I think is a massive and satisfying um, oh shit aha reveal uh, to end this this hardcover, um, which is Joe finally gets kind of moves with the chain and ends up fighting the big bad that's kind of been the 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 guiding force behind all the things that have happened in 300 pages and um, and when he goes up against them. Uh, they force him to make a realization about his own history and his own identity that he was not ready for. And I'm trying to be vague on purpose, but it was definitely well-crafted. I didn't see it coming the first time I read it. And, uh, and yeah, I'm really impressed. And, and, you know, John's art is terrific. It's perfect for this. I think I love that he draws high school kids to look like high school kids. You know, I mean, this would look. This it reminds me of Runaways when when Runaways was first happening, mm. where they actually looked like teenagers. You know, no nine hundred two one zero happening. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and and that's I love that they actually look like they don't look like little kids and they don't look like adults. They they look like high school kids, which is great. Um, 
I think he's terrific with he John's great with the emote. He does really emotive faces. Uh, and I think he also handles the creature design because I assume he was responsible for for most of all of the the character design work. Uh, I love the character creations. I love some of the ways he manifests the the chimera and some of the the the, the animal shapes. Sometimes they they're evoked as full on animal versions. Sometimes they have uh, you know wear humanoid versions. But but on any any time he he draws them, I think he draws them great, like really grand scale, lots of action. So it's just he's a great cartoonist. And uh, he he continues to get better too, uh, and I think this is terrific. Um, it's one of those books where probably a lot of people listening have never heard of it or read it. So on one hand, I feel like oh good, we're going to big him up, but then it kind of seems funny to me because it does speak to kind of the myopic view some people have about U.S. published comics versus the world because this is probably one of the most popular comics I've talked about in years, <laughs> right? Like in terms of I mean you know well more than a million people have read this on the regular. Uh, which we really can't say about any U.S. comic we talk about, um, but uh, but you know, nevertheless, I'm sure there's still a lot of people that are print only people out there, and uh, for you all, this is probably new to you, and I would definitely say it's worth your time. It's terrific. So, uh, big ups to Urban Animal by Justin Jordan and John Emmer. Nice. I'm gonna have to get that. I like John's stuff a lot. Oh yeah, and no, I like Justin Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you're aware of this fact, but I kind of gravitate towards the skeevy. Oh, I'm glad I got mine out of the way before this. <laughs> Jeez. It, it was too weird to talk about a, a, a pleasant teenage uh, <laughs> grand adventure. <laughs> yes, it, I would assume it's very, very different from Urban Animal. Um. Uh, actually, the skeevier the better. Uh, again, you, you know my love for the transgressive. I love it when uh, creators just evil Knievel right over Snake River, uh, the the accepted and the commonplace and the and the uh, you know screw propriety. I, I like it when creators get dangerous. Um, and this book is that. I mean, I, I talked about the first volume in episode 786. And now I'm going to talk about volume two. So uh, I'm not going to go too deep. I, I know both of you probably forgot what this book is about. So uh, a, a tiny, <laughs> tiny recap just to remind you, um, if you want to hear you know, the, the whole rundown, go to 786. Um, it, it is written by Makoto Fukami illustrated by Sego Tokia, and it's published by Seven Seas, who uh, continue to rock my world. Um, not just for manga, but just for, for, for art and for, for, for comics, and which manga is. Uh, they are publishing stuff that, um, yes, they, they do serve up a number of books designed to please, but they also have... Um, a nice assortment of, of titles that are very dangerous and uh, created strictly for a very specific, uh, a reader with very specific tastes, let's just say. It's Succubus and Hitman, Volume 2. Brief rundown. Um, a young man witnesses uh, his mother uh, and and sister 
brutally um, mangled and murdered by the Yakuza. Uh, he has his legs cut off. Uh, he watches his mother being raped right in front of him. Um, and then she's uh, summarily killed. Uh, you know, just, just nasty, nasty shit. Um, and he dies. Young man dies. Simultaneously, uh, there's also another young man uh, by the name of Shuya Gamu. He is in uh, a coma. And uh, I won't spill the beans on this, but, but he makes a deal um, in order to achieve something which leaves his body vacant. And the young man who witnessed his family's um, uh, torture and all that stuff at the hands of the Yakuza, makes another deal with a succubus. Succubus named Armelina. And uh, he wants revenge on, on the people that did this to his uh, mother and sister. So um, from henceforth, when I say Shuya, that is the main character of this book, uh, only, in, uh, only the meat suit is Shuya. The character inhabiting, or the soul inhabiting Shuya, is not Shuya. We haven't been given a name for this young man. So, um, Armelina will grant uh, Shuya a boon based on the number of souls he collects. If he collects uh, a certain amount, he can level up, in, in, in other words. He can pick from a list of abilities uh, one of which is is uh, being impervious to bullets, right? So they're on the hunt for this the the, the yakuza that did this to his family, and, and at the end of volume one, um, another proxy hitman enters the the the, the, the fray, and. Um, that's what Shuya is. He's a proxy hitman. See, the succubus, uh, the, demon, the, the, the demons can't be seen by the general population. They're, uh, for all intents and purposes, invisible. But they manipulate their proxy hitman into doing things for them. Um, so you'll see them within the panels and within the story. But most people can't see them. And so, so he's, they're on the hunt for the Yakuza and another young lady in this case. Her name is uh, Teki Kaname. Um, she's paired with a demon of her own. Uh, this demon is called Ridelk. And uh, this is where the, f well, this whole volume is fan service. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Um, Ridelk is, is buxom and lascivious and wanton and um, she, she's a wonderful, wonderful demon. Uh, she enjoys exploiting the pain and suffering of the recently widowed. And she offers these women wealth and good fortune in exchange for their souls somewhere in the future. Um, but not only that, she, she has their, her way with them. She, she has uh, seemingly uh, unending appetite for the, the carnal. Um, yeah, so uh, so so we have two proxy hitmen now, and it turns out uh, Kaname is also in search of one of the people 
that that uh, did the, the the nasty things to to Shuya's family. So we're at an impasse here. Shuya wants to kill this this person. Uh, Kaname wants to pump him for information. What do you do? Well, um, they're at odds. And uh, this character's name is Mount Beatdown. And uh, all I got to tell you is think of a Yakuza kingpin uh, from Daredevil. The the guy is is colossal, big old fat motherfucker. And um, uh, he is the one that raped Shuya's mother. So Shuya wants to send him to hell. Uh, Kaname wants information. But there's a small problem. Um, Mount Beatown is a violator. You're saying, what the hell is a violator? Are we talking spawn? No. Uh, a violator is a human that's using unsanctioned demon magic for their own ends. So uh, he's infused with power, but he doesn't have the license to use it, which is very, very bad. And um, his power is turning bullets and gunpowder gun to gold. So if you shoot a, if you try and shoot him with a gun, nothing's going to happen, because the, the the shell casing and the bullet turns to gold, the gunpowder inside turns to gold. Pfft, nothing, right? In the end, though, Shuya pummels the slob to paste. It's very very graphic. Um, if you've ever seen My Sweet Satan, the short that Jim Van Beber did, it's kind of like that. Like he just beats the shit out of this guy. His skull crushes. His eyeballs are flying all over the place. Uh, the book is very, very violent. Did I say that? I should have said that. Um, so he kills him, and Armelina devours his soul, which sends the dude on a one-way trip to hell, right? And Ridelk is there, and she's going to torture him for information. So everybody wins, right? Um, she kind of tears him to shreds, Cenobite style. All these chains come out, and they go through his hands, and the guy's immobile, and he's bleeding, and he's naked, and she rips him apart. But here's the here's the catch: he's he's dead, and he's in hell. So she can he he will reconstitute, he will revive immediately, and she can torture him all over again. And and the guy Mount Beatown's not talking; he's not giving up the information. So she's like, ah, okay. Uh, you know, you were really fond of raping women. Topside. Let's see how you like it. So she summons this giant pig. Massive pig. And remember, Mount Beatdown's all chained up. Can't really do much. <sighs> and, and, and the giant pig repeatedly rapes and eats Mount Beatdown. <laughs> It's a feel-good story, man. It is. It's just, you know, one hit after another. Uh, but but here's the problem. <laughs> yeah, it, get, it gets worse, my man. Um, here's the big problem. Um, Beatdown's death. He was Yakuza. You don't fucks with the Yakuza, right? Mm -hmm. So once they learn that one of their, one of their members was killed... They're like, well, we got to take care of this. We can't have this. We'll lose face. We got to, we got to get somebody out there that's going to take care of this business. And within the yakuza is the Aragami family, and they are from the Kanto Yatsufusa clan. And these, I mean, the the yakuza are despicable, right? But the Aragami family are known for the ruthlessness within the the yakuza. Like they're 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 top level despicable will do anything to achieve their goals and uh, their leader is a woman 
named uh, Araki Shoko, and she's a real piece of work. Um, uh, she she has two bikini-clad, bunny-eared concubines. They walk around in bikinis all the time. Their names are a Adriana and Pauline, and these two women want nothing more than to service Araki. They're there. They're her sexual playthings, right? Um, it also appears that Araki can summon and manipulate snakes from her vagina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, so, <laughs> the um, the Aragami family, they, they get the, the lowdown on Kaname and Shuya. They smell their demons. They smell Riddell and, and Armelina, and they're like, this must be dealt with. So how do you get to uh, the, quote, hero? In Peter Parker language, how do you get to the hero? You go to their family, right? You, you prey upon the ones they love. So they, they make a beeline for Shuya's sister, Riri. Uh, and the Aragami family are violators as well. They're wielding demon magic, and they're not supposed to. Um, I, I won't get real specific, but one of them can transform into an amorphous mass of goo like, like venom, uh, like a sentient blob that can go under and around and through things. Um, one of them is a sensitive and her eye sockets are filled with little baby snakes, not the Zappa baby snakes, but, but little tiny. And she's like, she can sniff out magic, right? And then you got a master swordsman who wields this demon plower blade that can it can't be seen when he's twirling it and doing his thing you can't even see the blade coming so tough to beat right uh, here's where the volume gets a little bit sticky pun very much intended so riri kaname and Riddell, they're all captured by iraqi and, and they're bringing they're brought back to iraqi's pad and when they get there Pauline and Adriana are busy getting it on with a double dong. <laughs> right? And it looks like a pickle with chicken pox. It, you, you don't see, like it's, it's manga, right? So, and it, the, the, the genitalia, they can't be explicit because that's verboten. It's forbidden. You can't show genitalia. But I think it's worse because what they suggest allows your imagination to go nuts because there's one panel where uh, one of the girls is in the foreground and you just see a slight curvature of where her leg would be and you see the double dong like falling and it's all covered with nastiness. Um, so Riddelk is constrained by snakes. She's all tied up and, and she's, she's like, yeah, do your worst, you know. And so uh, Araki starts cutting pieces of her body away. Right, she she starts by pulling her teeth because she's a demon. She's gonna re, she's gonna regenerate, right? She pulls her teeth, very painful. She slices off her ear, and she, in this volume anyway, she ends up cutting off her tongue. And she takes the tongue uh, and feeds it to Kaname, who has the worst of the 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 torture. Um, now the backstory is Kaname, her mother hated her, totally despised the kid, want nothing to do with her. And she would put out lit cigarettes on her body. 
there's one scene where it shows the mother putting the cigarettes out on her and the the, the child is just pockmarked with cigarette burns like all over her body it is nasty um and and she has this very strong fear of abandonment um and she, but she doesn't see it's, it's counterproductive because she doesn't like to get close to people at least not real people that's where it gets really bad because her torture was she's thrown in stocks but backward mm. do you see where this is going um yeah so her head and her hands are immobilized and she, her back is on on a a flat surface which allows Pauline and Adriana to violate her in very numerous ways but here's the part where I, I was considering not bringing this to the table um you got to remember Kaname and all the other people running around in this book they're high school aged kids right uh so if you can make the distinction or you can separate lines on paper from the fact that these are maybe 17 18 year old kids right um it's i mean it's art to me nobody's getting hurt um but when you get to the the chewy center of the story these are minors right so i know jason won't read it but it's there there's a very thin line between attraction and repulsion in this book right because you're not supposed to be attracted to this stuff it's it's nasty and in the real world it would be grounds for imprisonment or worse but it's drawn so freaking well it's it's drawn unbelievably well um yeah and i mean it gets i think it gets even worse um so uh shuya has a succubus in the house nobody else can see it but she's there and because of the succubus's proximity to everybody else in the house like you know what a succubus does right how they i mean their stock and trade is sexual allure magnetism right shuya's sister starts to dream of having sex with her brother yeah and, and like she fantasizes about having sex with her brother in her sleep to the point where she kind of manipulates herself and it, it just it just brings up the the wonderful cramps tune like how far can too far go how how far over the line can can you go with this stuff i don't know but i'm guessing this book is going to try its its damnedest to, <laughs> to see it's just um I I don't feel bad for enjoying it, and I don't I don't know if enjoying it's the right word. Um, I'm not sad. I'm not. Uh, I don't feel guilty for being entertained. Isn't even the right word uh, for being captivated by this stuff. It's riveting. It's violent. It's overtly sexual and all kinds of nasty. It 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 flings itself in the face of convention. And I really liked it, but you know, I really don't think it's it's a book for everybody. But I thought it was great. <laughs> well, I definitely think it's not a book for everybody. That's a given. I yeah, know, yeah. It's an understatement of the day, but um, but I mean, was... again, it goes back to if you can surprise me, if you can show me something that I've never seen before, 
on the comic page. If you're that inventive, you have won my heart. D- d- the the explicitness is irrelevant. It, it could have been, you know, funny animals running around. If you show me something that is novel, I'm yours. You, you, you can do whatever you want with me. I will keep buying your work. And that falls into, this falls into that category. Like, I, I was genuinely surprised by how far they took this. That's it. And, and, it, so it, I mean, if if the the listeners are are in tune with with the extreme, I think you should check this book out because it may it may surprise you in its in its uh, skeeviness. <laughs> 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 but again, yeah, uh, I, again, uh, Jason would not like this. I, I can almost guarantee. It. But you would say, "Holy shit, that's nice artwork," and it is. The artwork is just stupendous. There, yeah, I mean, I, I love a good transgressive comic, but when you start delving into some of the themes that you're laying out, I, yeah. right? But I mean, they're not—they're not high school kids. They're lines on paper. Eh, we've had this discussion. I know, and you it's always say that evo- it's meant to evoke. I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's not ethereal. It's you're looking at the image. It's meant to be an image of a high school kid. So it is. It is. <laughs> Yeah, um, and and it's it like I said, it's it's total fan service. Um, I told you about the the female wrestling club member who has a crush on Shuya. Her name's uh, Henmi. Uh, she always sees uh, Shuya with that the hacker girl that he saved from the yakuza and she's like what's going on like and and uh she doesn't want to spill the beans so she's like oh we were talking about cosplaying so there's a, a the you know three's company style they get manipulated into going to this cosplay thing and all of the girls are in bikinis that are like five sizes too small they're all falling out you know like that's the kind of book this is it's complete fan service so if that makes you feel some kind of way, then don't buy it. Don't read it. But um, I just think it's great drawing. I can separate um, the themes from the the process, and uh, I'm 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 here for the process. And you know, and, and the story's kind of fun. So, Succubus and Hitman Volume Two. <laughs> I I am who I am. Ah, uh, I. Uh... So once once I knew what you had planned for the episode, and I don't, people know you. People yeah. who've been listening to this podcast know 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 your likes and and dislikes, and but I don't um, I don't self inflicted or not. I don't want to see you with a target on your back. So I don't want anybody to just you know think they know who you are based on your review of one particular oh no I, I mean, although in this place it's the second volume but so my dude it's I art think, if they got a problem know, with art exactly right yeah, i don't and know what to tell them and that's exactly why i that, that's how i feel about the jason pearson work that i'm i'm, I'm so fond of I, jason pearson as um whatever the man himself may be dealing with. I absolutely love 
the lines he puts down on paper. Yeah. He is absolutely one of my favorite artists. If, if I could get a commission from him, I, without breaking the bank, I would gladly do that. Um, he is. I, it, it was. It's one of those things where it's kind of like just. Um, he hit the scene for me, right at the perfect time. One of one one of my earlier. Uh, one thing he drew he drew an issue of Starman, the Will Payton Starman, that is was was kind of a a um, a knockoff on Galactus and. I think Peter David may have written the issue, but um, I just, I like the way Jason Pearson draws things. I especially like the way he draws women, but yeah. um, Panda, especially. he's a member. Yes. And that, that's exactly where I'm going. So, um, and he was a member of uh, Gaijin Studios, which, you know, included um, Dave Johnson and Brian Stelfries and Adam Hughes and Cully Hamner. And these were guys in the 90s that were just like, they they weren't, you know, working at putting out image books or anything like that. They were they, they, they were working for Big Two on freelance work, things like that. But um, this is back, you know, when they were, this is younger Adam Hughes and, and younger Cully Hamner. And, yeah, well, uh, Martin too. Yep. And and uh, and Joe Phillips. So, I mean, I, I my boy Tony Harris. These guys, yeah. I wasn't going to mention him, but thank you. Yeah, listen, he was a big part of it. So you he was there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, can't 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 erase history. But um, <laughs> body bags is something that I'll reread every so often. It, it's it's one of my and and again and Jason Pearson. He is also. I mean, I I one of my favorite Savage Dragon stories is the miniseries Blood and Guts, and yeah. that's because he draws it. Yep. And, and and so so body bags is is a book where it, it's it it was originally a miniseries published by Dark Horse. Uh, you can get the uh, the collection in a shortish trade paperback, and then he uh, he did some one shots here and there, or some some short stories in Dark Horse Presents and annuals things like that, which eventually was was repackaged and reprinted as um, an image trade, but. Basically, body bags. If anybody hasn't, we talked about it before. Uh, in the not so distant future, um, the first story basically takes place in, in Terminus, Georgia. But uh, we're introduced to Clownface and uh, and his partner Pops, and they're body baggers. Basically, they're bounty hunters. They're mercenaries. They they they're bounty hunters that work sort of kind of with the cops. It's 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 that kind of environment. Um, and, uh, and Clownface is just this bigger than big, mean looking motherfucker, just somebody you wouldn't want to, but you, you're not, you're not just crossing the street. If you see him coming your way, you're like going three blocks over and, and, and making a left. You're just going back home, but he is, he's, he's intimidating. doesn't take any shit. And when we, when we first meet this guy, he goes and knocks on the door of a uh, of a drug dealer's house, and uh, and has a conversation with said drug dealer, and the drug drug dealer's pregnant wife uh, goes to get a gun out of uh, one of the cabinets while you know thinking she's going to get the drop on Clownface, um, but again she's pregnant. Clownface is extremely deadly with a knife. He can throw a knife with enough force where it's similar to like a mortar shell. Like you don't need a gun 
Clownface doesn't need a gun if he's got a knife in his hand. Um, so the wife is about to uh, get the drop on Clownface, or she thinks she is. And all you just you just hear the knife going right into you don't hear the sound effect off panel the knife going right into the woman's belly and my man uh is uh, geech is the drug dealer and 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 geech is going ballistic he's like you killed my baby you're a murderer this that and the other and now now before that happens we see geech and his wife snort and blow they've done bunch of drugs the baby's probably been dead but and 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 clown face even says so much you know listen i i i did i i did you all a favor um but it, it it's it it instantly sets up sets the tone for what type of person this is he's he's uh now granted he's also out for revenge right here because as you continue to read the story you see you find out about the events that led up to him visiting Geech and wanting this guy Janice dead and and why Clownface is after him. But again, it's one of those situations where, you know, you just see this knife sticking out of this woman's pregnant belly. And it It's rough. As, it's rough. It is. It is. And again, like Vince just said, it's drawing us on paper. It is meant to evoke, but um but in the in the grand it's not like he's just some serial killer or some sociopath running around stabbing pregnant women and and like he's he's obviously he's i don't want to say he's mentally unstable he's just obviously he's got his issues but um but what also doesn't really help um or work in maybe pearson's favor is that we're introduced to panda mac Clownface's name mac's daughter and she is built and this is this is how I know something she I I when I was when I was in school when I was in high school and we've said this before um teenage girls did not look like the way they do today do not look like they did when True. yeah I was in school so but when I look at um and not look at, but when I see my nieces or, or, or other friends who, who have, who have daughters that are teenagers, I, you know, it, it's, I kind of get where, I don't want to say I get where Jason Pearson was coming from, but it, it's not out of the realm to, to see someone like this. But when you, intru- when, when you're introduced to Panda and she's, she takes no shit either. She, as the plane is arriving, getting ready to land in Georgia, she, um, she gets up to use, the restroom and this this punk kid grabs her ass and starts talking shit and she ends up fucking this kid up um and so the apple doesn't fall far but you find out that basically she, she's not even 15 she's 14 and a half when we meet her and she does not look anything like 14 no. and it's just it's i don't it, it it part of me is just like I don't know maybe what demons my man was working through when he was putting this book out, but and and then is the that you get some throughout the one shots later on, um, their relationship grows and and she gets a little older and as this Mac, but still when you're introduced to these characters, they're just they're they are not um, good people. Right. Well, I'm glad you touched on the point. Um, maybe he's working through something. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, 
There, there's an artist named Barry Blair. Yep. Yes. And and Blair had a predilection for very young boys in his work. And, and whenever you, whenever the the characters would be on panel, he always drew them with very pronounced bulges in their pants. Like just just do a Google search for Barry Blair. I, I believe he's dead. I'm pretty pretty sure he's dead. Um, I mean, he was he was a, a very uh, well-rounded artist. The guy could draw anything, but his favorite taste, it seemed, like Elf Lord, um, all of the books, and I have a shit ton of them, all of the books on which Barry Blair, um, Leather and Lace, uh, all the books on which he worked would always have young boys with with you know put in in like if they, if they if they weren't in like skin tight leggings or something they'd be in like uh, sumo wraps you know and just it, it was it was very unsettling but um so you're you're probably asking well why the hell did you buy his work cuz i really like the way the guy draws mm-hmm. i think he's he's a fantastic illustrator um I mean, he drew uh, women too, uh, exaggeratingly so. But he didn't seem to, you know, expend the same amount of energy on the women that he did on the boys. I'm just saying. So, um, does that validate what he did? No. But um, if he was working through something, or if he had these these desires or whatever you want to call them and he transferred those to the comic page instead of the real world yes right then i mean thankfully no one was hurt and he i think is it a healthy way to 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 burn that that fuel that one has well it's a hell of a lot healthier than molesting boys in real life right Mm -hmm. so yeah um again it's a very difficult subject to tackle because like jason said in some states possessing drawings of underage well mike diana right or or when you sell yeah yeah but that was entrapment yeah right that that was entrapment but whatever um yeah where was i going with this uh, it it doesn't legitimize it. It doesn't make it anything other than skeevy. But I think it's a better way to try and become healthy than traipsing about in the real world, yeah. realizing or unleashing those kind of demons. I I agree with you. I yeah. mean, your mileage may vary. Like, yeah. like, like you know, anybody who would want to read a Barry Blair book may not. May may be absolutely turned off for various reasons. Sure, but it's it, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. You know, artist objective, whatever you want to say. But it's it. There are if if you feel a certain way about a work, that's and you're enjoying it, or you know you're taking it for what it is, just 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 a work of art. That's fine. You're not using it as a manual, or 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 you're looking to prowl. But and and like you said, I'd rather someone commit that to paper yes not necessarily admitting anything but it, it's still it's a work of art they're if they're working through something if this is what if if this is their outlet as opposed to drugs or 
castration or just it, it it's it is yeah it's it's not it's not really a conversation for us to have here none of us are doctors but it is sure i, I i'm 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 with you on the side where it's like listen i'm i'm happy to know that this is your outlet and not you cruising down the street looking to pick someone up right it's kind of like american psycho right you've you've read the book a whole bunch of nasty goes down in that book but i mean anybody that read it can realize that it's art mm-hmm. right it's it's a very well written book but it's it's focused on a very despicable character doing terrible terrible things right yes so I, yeah. I'm, yeah i i, 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 I mean, think brett, brett easton ellis is one of my favorite uh, modern writers so I, he's a great writer but I oh, mean, yeah. if I mean, had you read nothing else from him but American Psycho, and you were in the same room, and you'd be like, "Hmm, it's uh, oh, and it's not just American Psycho. I mean, a lot of his books are are, are deeply depraved. I mean, Glamorama is just as depraved. And, I mean, Ch- and, and on the you know, Chuck Palahniuk is a is yeah, a phenomenal yeah, sure. writer mm-hmm. and writes yeah. some really disturbing shit. So I I think art is a healthy way of of maybe parsing these these things. Yeah. I, mean, um, I love Irvin Welsh, and you don't get any, you don't get any nastier than him as a as yeah a yeah. Uh, so and something's got to be in you if if, if that if that's oh, coming yeah. out of you. Something absolutely is 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 whether you want to say you know someone's artistic or a genius or it's just you know it, it, but it it's there is something in you that that's that caused you to yeah. want to get it out. It's true, and, yeah, and, and you know just to quote Scott Snyder, I mean we have demons. Absolutely, right. yeah, yeah, we, yeah. I, we all do. But and, and, and I mean, at the same time, like, so if you read this, and and unfortunately, you know, Panda uses a word that I can't even. No. Like, when she comes across somebody who she thinks is gay, and, and you know, she uses that f word, and I'm like, I don't, you know, back in the well, eighties and nineties, right? But I'm just like, but but it's not something you say now, and and I mean, it, yeah, and to that point, I mean, I mean, like someone that maybe isn't familiar with Pearson and is like listens to you and like, oh, let me check out body bags now and sees that and might be like, oh, fuck this guy. Like, I mean, right, that's not him. Times, like, no, no, I'm saying because like, I mean, if, right. you, if you're if you a Facebook, I know you are, David, but if, if people are listening that aren't Facebook friends with Pearson, um, I mean, he's a very active poster and he, this whole month he's been posting um, Pride Month uh, posts, like legit, like he's like, you know, he's, he's an ally, at least these days, mm-hmm. right? So like, yeah, you know, I mean, this can go in a lot of different directions, but it does, there is some especially when it comes to the narrative of what is acceptable or not acceptable in pop culture. Uh, I do think, you know, there has to be some uh, bit of logic applied to context and time uh, to some degree, right? Like I'm not saying it forgives the use of or statements of a certain viewpoint, but I do think that it doesn't necessarily serve as a like, emblazoned for all time immemorial this person has these views and there's no nuance to it you know what i mean right yeah um and again i'm not in any way i don't feel like i'm not excusing the use of that term y'all if you all know me you know i I would never use those i don't use those terms but never but 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 i'm just saying like to your point like i don't think jason pearson is a is a is a homophobe or, or has hate in his heart for lgbtq in fact i think just the opposite based on a very consistent perspective he's put forth directly about the issues on his social media. Right. But, but like, if you read something he wrote in 96 where he used that term, you might come to a different conclusion. And 
Right. But it also goes into the direction of, you know, if if you think if you think because one of his characters uses a certain phrase that that means that that's what he thinks. It's like, well, do you think because Scott Snyder wrote Joker that he goes around like wanting to kill? It's like, where do where do you draw the line where you think a creator is is talking through? Or and it that's could be true. Well, that's right. the thing. What, if, like, I know you 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 have you don't embrace Tarantino, and I know part of it is. And, and you're not. I know. I mean, you're married to a black woman, obviously, and 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 I know some some friends of color who have trouble with Tarantino because he makes very liberal use of the N word <laughs> in, in yeah. his in his movie, you know, his films. Um, and he's addressed that directly, right? I mean, again, he he doesn't think he's being offensive or racist, right? Like, like he he's not doing it with any kind of uh, pejorative intention, right? And mm-hmm. certainly, lots of actors of color, most notably Samuel Jackson, but but I mean, he's you know. There have been, I mean, look, Django, you know, is mostly black cat. Like, my point is, is lots of black actors have worked with Tarantino happily repeatedly and, and don't view him as racist. But yeah. the use of the term, even in art, which is what that is, for a story's sake, which is what that is, but but written and directed by a white dude is off-putting to some. And, and, and I, I, how am I to tell someone else they're wrong to be offended or put off by it like absolutely if it um, makes you feel uncomfortable then by all means like you are totally in the right for that but but um but i would just hope that like people wouldn't side eye me for saying oh i really like Twentarantino, tarantino right, right. like because i right like, it's that's where it gets tricky like if i thought tarantino was using those kinds of terms you know in a in an offensive or or satirical way I wouldn't be a fan of his, you know, I, I don't see it that way, but if you generally just view it as, as art and an expression of that, then I don't know how anyone should take offense of the person consuming the art, even though some will. And I, I think that's where it gets to being like unfair. Like it's not, unfair. I don't think it's fair to like, you know, like condemn someone for seeing art in a different way than you do. Uh, right. Like, right. I think that's pretty tricky. That's pretty tricky territory. Like that really is, you know, you, you really are assuming a lot of intent from a lot of people. You probably don't know that well, including the person enjoying the art that you don't, the person that created the art, like you, just, you, you know, you better make sure you have your ducks in a row about everybody's true perspectives before you start really casting like a lot well, of stones. In that well, you know, it, it's very commonplace, uh, among, um, those that view art strictly as entertainment. Um, the you know the the lowest common denominator, right? It's very commonplace to intertwine the artist with their art, and and there's a huge gulf between the person creating the art and the art itself. The art the art lives on its own, and and to to say that you know just because that word is flung around like rice at a wedding in in Tarantino's movies, especially Django, but. It was used a lot in the framework of Django, in the time period in which that movie takes mm-hmm. place. That word was thrown around like crazy. People didn't even consider it. Right. You know? and what, what I'm saying is, is I don't think there's a credible argument to be made that Tarantino or the people involved in Django or any number of his films are in, in any way intending to be offensive or, right. or, or, or harbor. But what I'm saying is, I'm also never going to tell someone who is offended by it that they're wrong to be offended by it. Like exactly, it's absolutely but fine for them to be offended by it. I I'm think I'm saying that if you're offended by it, cool. 
but don't like look less at me because I said I thought Django was a good movie. That's right. all I'm saying. It's like let's like like, and I don't think it's fair to like say well like if so if you have stated political or social views that you live your own life by, and that's public knowledge, I think that's fair game to take offense to like a hundred percent and or color like whether you want to have a relationship with that person passively meaning like you listen to them on a podcast or directly like you want to be friends with them. But again, if we're talking about like how someone is able to consume or appreciate art in some other way, like I think, I think you need to give people wide berth personally. Again, you know, people listening may disagree, but I, I think you have to give people a wide berth on that front. Right. And, and so demonize the dude for being a very effective writer, right? Mm-hmm. Because once you, that is the most effective word that gets attention that immediately sets the stage for what is to come if you drop that word i i think it's it's like fuck right it 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 triggers something within the listener or the the viewer or the experience or whatever you want to say so um the fact that he used that word in that movie it's very effective whenever that word comes out of a character's mouth you immediately judge whether or not you like this character we probably all have these moments in our life where we can point to perspectives that we gained and mine with art in that regard i remember was piss christ oh serrano's piss christ yep i was 13 years old in 1987 and i remember being at my grandparents who in my context again they were white middle class uh you know people born in the 40s or you know late 30s so uh, it, they were as much products of their own upbringing as anything, but they were sh- – and also my grandfather was a career military, so they were, you know, conservative people, you know, in all ways, you know. And, and so I'm not at all surprised that, that they found Piss Christ offensive. But, you know, for those that don't know, back then there was this piece of, of art that uh, Andrea Serrano, who was a, 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 an artist and a photographer, he he took a, a, a plastic uh, – uh, crucifix of, of Jesus on the crucifix, you know, and uh, submerged it in in a tank of his own urine and then put that on display. And yep. somehow or another, I don't remember the context, but it it caught wildfire. It was all over the national news and, and it became this, um, you know, uh, like we have now all the time, it became this kind of dividing line in the country's narrative where uh, you had some that said, uh this is horrendously offensive. We should never spot allow the national endowment of the arts, any kind of government funding because of this stuff. And this is ridiculous and it's offensive. And you had others saying, I, I may or may not find it personally offensive, but it's, it's not for me to say whether or not like someone can create art, like what's the harm. And I remember being 13 and all this happening and, and hearing like my grandparents rain, ranting about it at the dinner table. And, you know, most of my, my family sort of like, you know, nodding in approval, like, yeah, yeah, it's a shame. And, and and I remember thinking like and saying to them like I I don't you know like the the art itself especially as a third generation did nothing for me, but but I was like but I don't understand why it offends you this way and like what the harm is and of course you know that was not met with like like intriguing dialogue that was met with like yeah. like shut up and you know <laughs> like what do you know you're a kid but but i remember that vividly as, as as like a moment in my life where i i started to understand that there were different ways to look at the world and that my way of of perspective on art and people's 
rights to express themselves were much looser and, and more liberal than, you know, the people that I, you know, was born into. I, I, that was pretty clear. So. Well, I mean, yeah, no surprise. It's a masterpiece. But, I mean, I, I think people didn't, I think there was something very lost in the translation. Because if you're devout, you're going to see that as blasphemous, right? But what he was saying, at least from my interpretation, is this is not the Son of God. This is a piece of shaped plastic immersed in a jar of urine. It it only has the meaning that you impart upon it. So if if you see it as blasphemous, then you know that's your translation. But in 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 essence, it's nothing more than a piece of plastic in a jar of piss. Right? That that's the whole meaning of piss Christ. And yes, he devised it to to raise the hackles. I mean, it was calculated, right? It's not Mickey Mouse in a jar of piss. It's it's Jesus Christ. So uh, on the one hand, at a boy for pissing off a whole bunch of people, but on the other hand, I mean, I can see it. that was a very very brave thing to do because undoubtedly he probably had death threats and and you know oh, he did oh you know, yeah and just because you know there's very little leeway in terms of religion right i mean you know look at uh the 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 holy wars and and the and the people yeah. that are you know uh salman rushdie i mean come on well like many things today because they are the internet but this is all pre-internet uh serrano w- w- was well and is i think he's still alive uh, a devout catholic <laughs> so that was the thing it became this narrative of like oh this guy's sacrilegious and and first of all the debate really shouldn't have been about religion right but like that's what it became because things always get bastardized but serrano was a devout catholic and that was the irony of the whole thing is that it wasn't even like he was being he like it would have in my opinion it would have been totally fine if he was being if it was a treatise on religion right like if he was trying to make a statement about religion like perfectly within his rights yeah that's but true. he wasn't right. even doing that like he 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 was not like like i'm an atheist right like like i i freely admit that he he serrano was a fucking catholic so right. like it wasn't even like he was like yeah shitting on the catholic church or and, christianity like that wasn't what he was doing and that's again like, what what was the outcome of it nothing I mean, in terms of if, if in fact, Jesus Christ was the Son of God and did exist at one time and was, you know, the whole thing elevated into, you know, right hand of the Father, whatever, if that being existed and had the power that he, that he was purported to have, don't you think he would strike down this person that did it, right? So, I mean, what he's saying is, yeah, uh, this, is, this is nothing but me raising your hackles. It's a piece of plastic and piss, don't be so friggin' uptight. That's 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 my interpretation of it, right? I mean, because uh, it, you know, kill your idols. Don't elevate anything beyond what we have right here, because you're probably going to be disappointed in the end. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that went in weird directions. That's all right. Yeah, 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 I love it. It's fun stuff. Yeah. Any, anybody else have anything uh, before we uh, bring it on home? Oh, you in a rush? I'm not. I'm just no. I'm just setting it up. I'm putting the ball on the tee. Damn. You could you could drive it. Or you can shank it. Whatever you want to do. You know what was hella fun? Just straight up fun. Like comics should be ridiculous and like there is no <laughs> like we've been going kind of deep and, and a little meta with our with our discussion here. But this is not that. Um, Rick Rhymes two thousand. 
Yes. <laughs> nice little hardcover, and it's you know, it, listen, it's a glorified comic. I mean, it's it's with a hardcover, it's it's thin. It's a thin hardcover. Let, let me let me just be real clear here. Uh, but this was, of course, serialized in the Image. Uh, what was it? Image X. It was. Is that what it was called? Sky, Sky, Sky Bound. Bound. I mean, Skybound X. Yeah, Skybound yeah. X. Um, <laughs> and uh, but this is this is a this is the the ver- this is the collection of just that part of it, which is the uh, you know the the Robert Kirkman, Ryan Otley, yep, Cliff Rathburn uh, story of what if the Walking Dead universe had to deal with an alien invasion. And it's absurd. It's illogical. It's uh, it's just ridiculous. And it's what comics should be. And it's yeah. it's so much fun. And and it's uh, I was actually talking to Felix and his crew about this. Uh, Felix had a uh, an unboxing last night where he unveiled uh, a bunch of art that he got in from his from his crew. And Otley was one of the people that he got art in from. And during the the show we got to discussing Otley and I said no shade to Otley for his run on Spider-Man because I think it made him a tremendous amount of money and probably raised his profile for a lot of people but but for me Otley's way better when he's doing image stuff Preach. because I, Preach. I think that he and, and part of that is because he can be super violent and I think he does that great because he's got this very he's got this style that 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 looks like it's out of a classic superhero comic so I find that when he gets really violent, and it's arresting because it doesn't match with what your eyes tell you you're about to see. When he's doing just a straight-up superhero book, your eyes are just seeing what you think you're going to see. Anyway, uh, it was amazing to see these characters in The Walking Dead being transformed. And it felt like this mashup of like Fear Agent and, and Walking Dead. And it's ridiculous, and there's no real point to it. And it's not like in canon or anything, but I thought it was delicious. And uh, they did a nice job with the hardcover, as you might expect. And uh, it's it's a super short read. It's like two comic issues in terms of like page count. It's it's very small, but uh, I loved it. I thought it was just awesome, and it just made me smile uh, because I do very much. I mean, I know we all talked about how Walking Dead kind of got a little long in the tooth, but but I, I loved it. I mean, certainly for the bulk of it, and and do hold that in high regard that that story. So it just was great to see it get ridiculous and silly, and it all was born out of a a joke that Kirkman made in a letters column, you know, way back in the day where he joked about, he, he knew that it was time. It'll be time to end walking dead when he decides to write in an alien invasion. And, you know, so it's just fun that he kind of, you know, self-effacing poked fun at himself and told a fun story that about, about something like this. And I just, just, just great stuff. Just, just dumb and no point to it other than just seeing the visuals of fucking Michonne, with fucking a cyborg, a cyborg body, and and the fucking emperor getting—I mean, uh, the 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 governor getting, you know, destroyed by seeing fucking Negan with with his bat splitting it two, and it and they're like lightsabers now, and it's like it's just it's yeah. ridiculous. It is stupid. Oh look, it's Laurie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just absurd, you know. Uh, there's if if there is one, there's a lot. There are many things that I can uh, think about that the. With this podcast that uh, has given me, let me give me the opportunity to do or 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 revisit, and I am I am glad that I did go back to uh, to Walking Dead and and see it through to its completion. Yeah, nice. 
I think Rick Grimes 2000 was definitely one of the better serials in, in Skybound 10. Yeah. But wasn't uh, it the only serial? Everything else was just single page, single well, yeah, but single uh, shots. All right. Inclusion in, in Skybound 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I, I totally agree with you on Otley. The, the Spider-Man run, oh, yeah. it just felt wrong. Yep. Uh, I, was, I was waiting for somebody to get their head ripped off or, or, or you know, entrails to be streaming across the page. And it, and it just speaks to when, when an artist of, of uh, considerable strength makes a mark with a book, as Otley did on Invincible, he will, in, I, at least in my estimation, forever live in the shadow of that thing that attracted to us attracted us to them in the first place right uh and, and i i have to admit I'm, i mean i tapped out on invincible whatever like 80 90 issues in but not because of the art it was just because the story you know it, it just became like walking dead i think to me it just it ran its course long before it ended and and so i pulled back but the visuals, I think Otley was the thing that kept me buying it long before I should have stopped. And and I, I got the feels from Rick Rhymes 2000 because of that, because it reminded me just how freaking good Otley is. And, and, it, and it, it just it, it reiterated why I fell in love with his art in the first place. So yeah, that's why I liked this part of Sky. I mean, I, I was really surprised with Skybound Ten because, to me, I th- everything was killer in that anthology, and and I'm still buying it. I mean, they just did a special that was uh, uh, solicited, I think, in this previous or last period. Like I'm ordering it because of of they have a lot of goodwill with me now from that anthology alone. You know, I think it's way stronger than the current. Image anthology, whatever that thing is called. I, I haven't even, yeah, I haven't even read that. Um, I read the first one or, or, or two or whatever. It didn't do much. Didn't do much for me. The only, um, the only issues of the Skybound that I, I bought, I bought. Um, actually, I'm right here because I'm going through things. I bought the first issue and whatever the hell this. Number is um, number five. The first one because of the uh, had an ultra mega story, and the second one and the fifth issue because of the um, uh, six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. So this since I was I was already getting those in singles, I figured I'd um, I'd read those just so that you know to, to keep me from having to buy whatever collected edition. Eventually, is just going to have these extra eight pages in it. But the anthology was was solid because I did read the others. Um, and I did. I I thought that uh, it didn't feel like just some sort of self congratulating no no propaganda no, no, no. thing. They they actually. I mean they 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 were legit. They told. I mean even the was it still the you're still water story that the, the the book you like. It, well, that's the thing. I, they were just right. That's still that water story. That, that yeah. I got you to try that. Yeah. So yeah. I mean I it's it it definitely served a purpose and and it didn't feel like it wasn't. Um, it wasn't just you know here's here's excerpts of of other stories that we've told. These were all like brand new and, and yep. try it out. And you know, Skybound isn't just 
you know, whatever story Kirkman wants to tell, it's he, he's got a few talented creators uh, doing work under the imprint. But no, it was it, it was a um, it was an entertaining anthology. I'm glad uh, I'm glad folks had fun with it. You need to look for the back issues in the bins. Fill up those holes. The, uh, those, the those other three issues. The birthright ch- uh, stories phenomenal. It is, but I love that series. So whatevs. But uh, yeah, I know you got to fill it up because you can just can't. I just have issues one and five. That's wrong. Look, kids. No, it's wrong. You need to fill All it right, up. Fine, fine. If we see it, if we see him at Heroes, maybe not at my comic shop, but if we see him at Heroes, I'll. Uh, oh no, he'll be asking like five bucks, six bucks. Right. For it. Yeah. 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 Double double cover. Yeah. Cool. Um. I don't want to end. I I've I've read other no. stuff. Well, please do tell. Well, I went back and read Neonomicon. As I do, oh, okay. I seem to reread it at least once every year. Uh, I'm, again, we I talked about it ad nauseum as it was coming out. I talked about the collected edition, whatever. Um, but um, every time I read it, I find something else. And I mean, you could say that about every Alan Moore story, right? Every, everything he works on has... It has a multitude of layers. There's things to discover every iteration. Um, but I, I think it was, it's a brilliant story. Uh, and, and like Providence, I initially saw Providence as uh, more cherry picking the the best elements of the Lovecraft catalog and manipulating them for his own ends. But I've, I've since... Uh, parted ways with that notion and and i see providence as the masterpiece that it is but neonomicon um it it, it's a perfect little story it it really is Uh, and and you don't have to be a lovecraft fan to appreciate it but um i will admit that it really really helps (laughs) like if if you've never read an hp lovecraft story or any of his compatriots um, yeah, I think a lot of 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 what Moore did within the pages are going to be lost is going to be lost on you. But um, it, he he sets up everything perfectly. Uh, let me just get the book right here, before, so I, I can have something in my hand while I'm I'm actually talking about it. And and I reread the uh, the hardcover, which uh, collects the courtyard as well as. Um, uh, Neonomicon and um, it, 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 it may be exploitative um, you know to uh, there's, a, there's a lot of sex in Neonomicon right um, but, but it's sex with, an, with a, a goal right it's just not sex for the sake of sex um, there's an end point like the, he has something planned and and, and the fact that um, the uh, um, uh, FBI agent was on leave because um, she had a, 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 a sex addiction like you think okay that that's just you know Alan Moore being Alan Moore right but there's a goal I mean, Mary has a sex addiction because it prepared her for what was eventually 
to happen. Like in this story, time is not a horizontal progression. Time is vertical. Everything's happening at the same time. I don't want to say that because that's stupid. Everything's happening simultaneously. There is no past and there is no future. Time is a stack, not a horizon. And um, she uh, studied Lovecraft in college, so she was familiar with his works. And um, like I said, she, she was conditioned. There was a reason why she studied Lovecraft in school. There was a reason why she became addicted to sex, because she was eventually implanted with Cthulhu. <laughs> so, um, and I think the fact that, I mean, you may just pass it off as um, contrived, but the 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 real crux of Neonomicon is that H.P. Lovecraft didn't create the Cthulhu mythos. He documented it. So all of the stuff, Dagon, uh, Cthulhu, like all of the entities and the, the situations and the, 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 the various stories within the Cthulhu mythos were not created in the mind of H.P. Lovecraft. He actually researched them from life. Like the things existed externally from him and he just documented them. I think that's friggin' brilliant. It, and, it, and it may seem like it's the same thing as, as Swamp Thing. It's not Alec Holland that became Swamp Thing. It's a plant that thought it was a man. Mm. Right? It's, he, he always gets, the, he always puts these novel spins on, on his work. That's why he's the goat, right? But, um, and, and, you know, Neonomicon, again, it's just like Succubus and Hitman. It's not going to be for ev everybody. It's, it's brutal and racist. Um, but Alan Moore made parts of it, uh, infused parts of it with racism because of the source, Lovecraft, who was racist until a certain period in his life. And then he, he, you know, recanted all of that, but he was on death's door when he did it. So who knows if it was, you know, uh, genuine, but anyway, um, th there's a, you know, Lovecraft is known for the inherent racism in, in a lot of his work. And so, uh, people of color within this book get treated a certain way, not because, uh, because of the, the the originator of these stories, right? That's Alan Moore being Alan Moore. Conceptually, it's sound. You may read it and feel some kind of way, and that's your right, you know. But um, in the courtyard, Aldo Sachs is an FBI agent, and he is a fucking racist, anti-Semite, uh, neo-Nazi. Like he is not a nice individual. But for a long period in his life, neither was H.P. Lovecraft. So mm -hmm. he didn't just put it in there to, to raise the hackles of the reader. He put it in there because thematically it jibes with H.P. Lovecraft, right? I, I just, I, I think Neonomicon is, is just one of those, it's a masterpiece. That's why I keep going back to it because every time I read it, it shows me something else. And it is foul as fuck. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> there are some panels um like like Mary's partner, um, they kill him at one point. 
uh, because he wouldn't participate in the orgy. He was going back to the dressing room for his gun, and and one of the uh, uh, participants just kills him, just blows him away. And so guys are taken, and I mean, he's nude, right? So they're, they're carrying his body out, and the one guy says, you know what, just dispose of, and he, they use the word, and just dispose of this guy. I don't care if you suck his dick, just get rid of him. Like, it, it is just foul. But that's the 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 type of people that cause these events to happen, right? And 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 it's and they they touch upon the uh, uh, inherent um, sexuality in Lovecraft's work without him actually like he was an asexual person. In, in real life, at best, he was asexual. Married, yes, but they, you know, he he never showed any kind of of uh, physical love for his wife. They eventually split, but um, so uh, not he wasn't gay. He wasn't hetero. He was nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, physical um, affection did not register with him. And when you address the Cthulhu mythos. A lot of the creatures are tailored or constructed in a way that they could be construed for uh, sentient genitalia, and that's that's also addressed in the book. I just think it's it's just a wonderful piece of work. I don't remember what you guys thought of it when you read it. I know Jason read it. I don't know if David. Yeah, did. no, I liked it a lot. I thought it was. I did too. But I mean, yeah. more. I mean, what, you know, that's right. hard for me to like. As I always say, I feel compelled to say when we talk about Alan Moore, like the reason I think he's the goat unassailably is just that his ability to to master any genre and any mm-hmm. any, any uh, it's just so yeah. I mean, he, he could he, he could tell I I can't imagine a genre that he could decide he wants to do that I wouldn't find engaging at least on some level. Right. Well, he infuses his work with a um, a level of artifice and um identity that other creators just can't match like if if he wrote a story about um you know marbles playing marbles it would be the most riveting friggin story about marbles you've ever read but i mean this does the subject matter demand that probably not but he doesn't he that's not a concern with him he's going to write his take on playing marbles it's just i think uh he's as uh conceptually layered an individual as his work magician um you know author uh artist as well a visual artist and i i think that the man is is a is just a a walking um art form in himself and it's just amazing that he hits every single time but i guess that's what happens when you're the best so yeah read it again and i'm i'm even more enamored with it as as i was when i read it the last time so um which uh prompted me to look at my bookshelf and i don't have a providence collection i have multiple copies of every issue variant covers and all that crap but i don't have a collected edition of providence and i need to rectify that when we get to heroes so hopefully i'll find it 
I hope you do. Yeah, there's some stories that just dig their their claws into you and they just refuse to let go. Courtyard and Neonomicon, which are companion pieces to, to Providence. You can't just yep. read Providence. You have to read them all, uh, which is why he worked with um, Jason Burroughs on all of them was because conceptually they're one they're one cohesive unit. Um, like Johnny Carcosa is fucking just ugh, the guy creeps me out every time I, I see him. But um, yeah, uh, it, it, I, it's a word we throw around uh, liberally, but I, I do think Neonomicon is a masterpiece. Yeah. Okay. We're bringing it home, my men. You're driving the ship, dog. Well, we have a, a, a lot for which to prepare because next time this week in seven days. Yes, sir. <laughs> we are going to be at Heroes in Charlotte. Well, and, well no. This time next week. This time we, next week you'll be at my house Jason's, hanging out. Yeah. Recording but I, yeah, I consider that um, the part, kickoff of the week. Part, yeah, part of Heroes. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. we got Book of the Month on next Wednesday. And what is the Book yep. of the Month? Slayground by Darwin Cook. Amazing. Yeah. And and I didn't tell you, Jason, but I told David, I'm going to have a surprise. Ooh. Now, yes. Um, you've, been, and, you've been holding on to two Darwin Cook pages to give us for when the time was right? You know, I really <laughs> I really wish I could do that. But um, <laughs> this is actually a more budget-conscious surprise. Ah, okay. and, but it is comic-related. Right. And, and I will have uh, handouts for both of you. Um, I won't say any more because I think it's going to be kind of fun. Okay. okay. Yeah. I... I I was with Mia. Uh, I was taking her home from work, and we had to stop somewhere. And I'm like, this will be really cool if I do this. Look at you. So I'm going to do it. Yes. And, and I you. I think the listener will, um, the listeners will get off on it, too, because it's fun. It's it's lighthearted. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, whatever. Um, so, yes, uh, join us. Hopefully, you'll join us next week uh, and at Heroes Con, because... The EOC Familia is going to be there in force. Lots of us are going to be there. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, it's the best convention of the year. <laughs> it's certainly the most consistently great convention. Why yes. can't you just say it's the best? <laughs> well, each one is different. I mean, we've had amazing uh, times. At, at, yeah, at, well, at, at women are different. In New York, I mean, I, I, you know. I'm... Dude. I will say that, that heroes... Well, and also you, Heroes, um, was on the decline. It, 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 the show was not the last Heroes I attended was not as good as the Heroes that I first attended. Um, but it is my supposition, and I do think it's played out this way that because of the timing of the pandemic and that it was gone for two years and. I was hoping that that would, at least for a year, heal all wounds and we'd get a really vibrant artist alley again with everybody excited to be there and some of the ill will towards Shelton would be would be gone or forgotten or, you know, at least paused. And I, I think that that is what has transpired. So I'm really excited. I think I think this is an it's an incredible guest list. It's going obviously we're going to have more personal friends and, and EOC community members at this show than we've ever had at any show. 
uh, at least to our knowledge, I'm sure like New York, there's tons of people there, but we just don't ever see them. Uh, so yeah, I, I think this has the potential to be uh, like the most fun con we've ever participated in. But but you know, again, I I, I hesitate to say it's the best, just because it, it I think it, it has the potential to be the best. But you know, there there like it's got to be back on the come up. Although I again, I I fully expect it to be. I think I think that uh, that. Uh, this two-year hiatus, although not planned, has really helped Heroes and Shelton. I think it's really helped him. You and your thinking. Jeez. <laughs> uh, Listen, man. If, if, so I, I'm speaking directly to the EOC family. Remember, you are ambassadors of 11 O'Clock Comics. If you are in a situation where you encounter a comics professional, get them to do an intro. Oh my god! You're, you're listening to Army to the EOC bumpers. Well, I'm just saying we're gonna we're gonna be canvassing the floor as we do, and we're gonna get a lot of intros. We can't get them from everyone. So if you are in the position, if you're with a, a comics professional and you have your phone, just remember have them say, "Hey, I'm I'm Joe Blow, and I do this, and you're listening to Eleven O'clock Comics." I want to get more intros this year than we've ever got before. Okay. Because we're stagnating. The intros, I'm using roughly the same ones every time. And it's, it's, for me, it's getting a little boring. So I want to jazz it up. Yeah, long overdue, right? There. Yeah, go up to Michael Dooney and say, yeah, we know you did one before, but let's do another one. We can get one from Dooney. I know, but I'm just... I mean. Oh, my God, you are so literal. Oh, goodness. No wonder. <laughs> <sighs> so, everybody, hey, thank you for listening to this. We love you so much. We hope that you will come back next time to hear our book of the month, which is Darwin Cook's Slayground. In the meantime, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe. We just, we're just going to have a whole lot of fun next week. So keep an eye on the, on the Patreon in your travels. I got a book and it's right here. Yeah. Let me get it. Let me get it. Now, right here. Um, this is not going to take long because, excuse me, I'm not going to try and summarize anything that appeared within this volume. And you might say, like, well, so what's the point? Well, I'll tell you the point. It was uh, written and drawn by Keiche Koike, and it is published by Last Gasp. It's called Heaven's Door extra works it's an anthology that uh it's just all koike's work it is a psychedelic journey each story is is far different than the one that precedes it and or follows it um it's one of those works that is going to translate differently with each reader each and every reader um it, it doesn't pay to try and encapsulate what's going on here because some of the the most of the events in every story defy language and you may say oh that's a cop out you're just you're just lowballing it i'm not the the joy of uh works like this at least as far as i'm concerned is in the interpretation and um those interpretations are going to vary depending on the the reader. So uh, why buy this? Well, 
uh, visually, uh, Koike, while he doesn't speak exactly the same visual language as this person, uh, he's he's his dialect is very close to the visual language of of Mobius. the The art is extremely detailed and dense, and uh, the line work. Um, he he usually he typically likes to uh, he's a very linear artist. Lots and lots and lots of lines, whether contour lines or or um, teeny tiny uh, textural lines within uh, various forms. But he's not um, unknown to go in with a brush in certain instances and just slop it up. It, it visually it it is a a, a virtuoso performance, but um, as far as what these stories mean, well, you're just going to have to decide that by reading it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's it's just um, it's a masterwork. the 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 art is just impeccable. Um, so, uh, there's a lot of 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 um, stories about finding. <sighs> Uh, the search for meaning, um, identity. There's there's magic and alchemy within this book. Uh, there's um, an undercurrent of of um, maturing as an organism, both physically and and. Uh, uh, cerebrally, I guess. I, I don't. I, I can't. I can't say what this book is about, because the 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 what it means to me doesn't work well within those things that have letters in them and we throw them around within a sentence. That kind of stuff doesn't fall short of 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 describing what goes on within these pages. You're just going to have to buy it. And read it. It's it's I think it's twenty bucks, and well worth every penny. It's it's a it's black and white. Um, the art will astound you, and the stories will push you far beyond uh, that. So just get it. It's Heaven's Door, by uh, uh, Extra Works by Keiichi Koike. It's magnificent. You guys have this magnificent. Yeah, do you have it? I, I do not. I do not. Spot varnish. You know it's good. Stop playing. Yeah, you know it's good when it's got the spot varnish. That is true. Yep. Um, in your travels, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with this uh, only because of the last page was really cool. Um, so we're nearing the end of the first arc of uh, Batman Superman World's Finest by Mark Wade and Dan Mora uh, and uh, Tamara Villain. And it is, um, it's still Wade just having fun, not set in continuity uh, with this younger version, uh, versions of, of Batman and Superman when um, they were friends. And uh, we're we're learning more about the big bad, but the um, the second issue gives us 
um, Captain Marvel, Shazam, and we uh, Felix Faust. I mean, he's bringing out like Doctor Alchemy. There, there are characters um, that you know you haven't seen in a minute, which is really neat to see. And and I, I sincerely appreciate this version of um, of Batman with the blue and the gray and the big. A little oval in the front with the blue trunks and just uh, the Batman that I read growing up. Um, but you can tell this is a, if you're paying attention, you can tell that this is set in the early days of these heroes' career because Green Lantern shows up and, uh, and it's um, rookie Green Lantern Hal Jordan because he doesn't have the... Um, the shoulder, um, the green doesn't. But when Gil Kane first started drawing the Silver Age Green Lantern, the uh, oh, the boy. green tunic part. I know. I'm sorry. Hey, it's just it. I see that, and I don't. I don't see it often. The last time I saw it was years ago. So it's one of those things where I'm like, hey, someone's actually fucking paying attention. And and uh, and yeah, this is before he got promoted. Um, so it was neat to see. So that's that's basically all I'm saying is that Dan Mar is drawing a, a rookie Green Lantern, and that's that's pretty flipping cool. So yeah, uh, in your travels, um, follow along and enjoy this first arc of World's Finest. I don't know if it ends with four or five because I did see in the latest DC Connect, whichever uh, whatever issue is in that catalog. Um, Moore is not the cover. I think it's Travis Moore is the uh, the artist. I don't know if he's I'm pretty sure he's not just taking over for an issue or two. I, I think maybe more, Wade is just uh, having different artists draw the um, each arc, but because um, more is busy, and and I don't um, I don't think uh, he'll be able to keep working on this for nine or ten months out of. Um, out of the year, so I think we're going to get just alternating artists uh, or different artists for each arc. But yeah, in your travels, Batman Superman World's Finest from DC. No mm-hmm. Vandal Savage? Not in this issue. Nice. Oh, what do you mean? Has he appeared? I don't think he's... Wait, did he? I don't think he appeared. That's make it or break it for me. Did he That's hilarious. In the first he, issue? You know, he's the uh, he's the big bad of this season of Young Justice. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I, I I'm hate, not that you were in anyway. No, I hate Vandal Savage. Hate him. I gotta say they do do some pretty groovy things with him on the Young Justice cartoon. It's a great cartoon, but um, how good can it be with Vandal Savage? It's pretty good. Yeah, it's really good actually. <laughs> um, if you don't have an un an unreasonably uh, unhealthy distaste for Vanta Savage, like you do. Um, Bill in- Bill loves him. Who? Bill, our buddy Bill. Oh, Bill Z. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. It's uh, random. <laughs> um. In your travels, uh, Shut couple up. couple quick hits on the Marvel front. Um. Eternals lost me. What? Oh. You love that book? Yeah, but but. Um, I like Assad when Assad is committed to uh-huh. the work, but oh, it's over. But I think I think he was getting caught up with deadlines, and 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 the stuff's looking bad now. It's it's looking unfinished, and it's rolling with no D. He said, "Rivik." Yeah, I posted a script. I posted a screenshot last week of 
of of a rendering he did. It's supposed to be uh, Carol Danvers, and it looks like Carol Danvers' great grandma. It's it's just it's just Ooh, you throwing shade at Assad. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, deserved shade. He he's he's phoned he's phoned mm-hmm. he's phoned in the last few issues. You got some big um, balls on you. It's just inexcusable. But uh, and also I, I don't the the, the unfortunately the story was its own thing and and it was fucking epic and then it's just oh so cleverly rounded its way into them having to go to Avengers headquarters to the Celestials and and having a battle with them. Which oh look at that we have and. Avengers X-Men Eternals event coming up that ties into it. So it's like, okay, so I'm out on that. So lo- love love the Eternals, but 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 I'm now out on it. Um, Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number one. Uh, I had mentioned in our previews videos when they solicited this and the uh, Captain America um, Sam Wilson uh, number one that I was m- much more excited about the Sam Wilson cap issue. And I thought that first issue was fantastic, by the way. But I did still pick this up because I'm down for a good Steve Rogers comic if it's done well. Didn't know exactly what to expect, but holy shit that I think the first issue was awesome. Um, it's it's basically half of it is is Steve being Steve, like remembering that he's Steve Rogers and not just Captain America. And we rarely see that. He uh, ends up renting the apartment that he grew up in. Nobody knows that because, you know, it's, it was fucking 80 years ago, but... But uh, he ends up renting that apartment, which is, you know, obviously you might imagine the demographics and the and the the quality of the neighborhood in terms of de- socioeconomics has changed, and he's happy to live there. And he's, uh, you know, he's just going around being friendly with the community, and it's just, it was just really, really uplifting and fun. And then it rounds into uh, him and Bucky get embroiled in a uh, a bit of a mystery, and it looks like they're setting up at least for the first arc it being kind of a grand indiana jones-esque adventure where they have to figure out the the this 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 huge historic mystery and and go on a search so it just looks like it's going to be a a really fun take on 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 captain america that uh that uh we haven't seen in a while and i'm here for that you know i really am i like when they when, when kind of people remind us that that these characters are human too uh and not just wearing the suit so big ups on that and then um just quickly immortal x-men number two and X-Men Red number three came out. Uh, both are, but those two series are the, if you're only reading, uh, if you're cherry picking which parts of the post-Hickman X universe you want to keep with, uh, those are the two. Uh, far and away, the, the, I mean, they're just, they've been, they're both off to incredible starts. Um, Immortal X-Men uh, number two is written uh, by, um, Kieran Gillen and uh, with really great art by Lucas Werneck. Where have you been all my life, Lucas? Uh, <laughs> call, call me. I could use a commission. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, it's just great. It picks up where the first issue left off, which was that uh, the Quiet Council Magneto. Let's see the three events. Magneto. Magneto left uh, left uh, the Quiet Council to head to Mars, and so there was an opening. Everybody was vying for the spot. Uh, they give it to Hope. And uh, Celine is fucking pissed, and so Celine conjures up a gigantic beast, and then bounces. She heads off to, she leaves Krakoa, and she leaves this giant beast in her wake because she's pissed off that she didn't get spot. And they have to defeat the beast, but of course, there's a lot more to it. And uh, I just think it's really, really delicious interplay among some of the the the, the top mutants around. Uh, and then probably at the top of the stack, 
Uh, and I know Brian Newbury hit me up, so so we're in agreement here. He's another big X head. Uh, Al Ewing and Stefano Caselli with X Men Red number three. This is basically X Men on Mars, you know, because they obviously created Mars and turned it into a planet with uh, Araco and 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 Krakoan mutants living there. And uh, in this issue, we basically get uh, Mag- Magneto went there basically because he was just fed up with the Quiet Council and 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 all the politics. And uh, and well, you know. You can't keep a good man down, so he ends up getting pulled into a battle with Tarn, the uncaring, and uh, some may remember Tarn from uh, the, uh, the the Hickman books, and then more recently, uh, he he and Storm were battling for basically the the regency of Mars and and Storm One, but Tarn is like one of the top Arakan uh, mutants. He's his powers; he can basically like morph people or. Uh, he can bastardize uh, or, or corrupt like anything about them, like their way they look, their their power sets, anything. So, very very uh, 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 tough omega level mutant. And uh, uh, in this uh, in this issue, Tarn is challenged by Vulcan, uh, yes, the the other Summers brother, for a spot on the uh, the uh, Mars Council. And uh, well, you might not be surprised to learn that Tarn makes quick work of Vulcan, which I was happy to see because you know it's Vulcan. Um, but uh, but he doesn't get the seat because another mutant rolls up and makes short work of Tarn in a badass scene that I was like, oh, shit. Um, yeah, so it was great. It was really, really great. And and these books just continue to have that same kind of layered political intrigue and uh, and like biting satirical interplay among the characters that kind of like love, hate each other. Uh, and, and I just think that Al and... Uh, Al and Kieran have, have grabbed the baton from from Jonathan in uh, so far so good ways, better than some of the other books I think. So those are, those are my my two top mutant books these days. Tune in next week when Jason finally talks Legion of X. <laughs> I read the latest issue and it's fine. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, no, I like I said, I, I, it's fine. Like I read all the mutant books. I don't I don't really dislike any of them actively. Right now, but uh, but I, I I don't I just don't I just don't think Legion's a very interesting character. He, too much for me. Great TV show. To yeah, me, see, I didn't like the, as you recall, I didn't like the TV show either. So you you didn't get a rise out of To Me My X Men, like I, I got a rise out of it the first time a writer decided to have someone other than Xavier say it, but yeah, not the twentieth time. That was a good run. I mean, that honestly, was, the, the I mean, if I mean, if you're really again, if you're really asking me, the the, the most memorable to me, my X Men ever that wasn't Xavier saying it was when Scott Summers says it in in Astonishing because that was like yeah. the first time we and it was like oh shit and it yeah, was like Scott was Lang claimed to being the real leader of the X Men and it was awesome and a mic drop but honestly it's been done a lot since then like. Storm said it, you know. Yeah. And, and Irrelevant. No, Whatever. Sunspot says it. No, it's kind like, of play. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Sunspot. By the way, this isn't a <laughs> That is why it's not that big a deal. Fucking beak. Emma says it this weekend in comic. She says, to me, my quiet counsel. It's like, it's just overplayed now. It's not like, it's, yeah. it's not impactful. Ah, don't be so jaded. My God. No, I'm just saying. Like, it, it, it gets back to the last time you brought up Legion. Like, these books are fine, but but if you're reading all of the mutant stuff, like I am, like then these these moments that tickle you, which is great, that they do, don't aren't as impactful because lots of characters have said to me, my at this point, different perspectives. Yeah, yeah. 
Just like I could read a Batman story and probably get more out of it than you because I've oh. read a lot less Batman stories. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us. We hope you come back next week. We will have beverages and cookies and maybe a couple sandwiches. Person. Seltzers in person. Uh, you know, the yeah. hugs. Well, we're going to talk about it next week, so I don't want to play my hand. But the hugs are going to be flowing next week. Big time. Yeah. Faux show. I have to, um, this is a uh, special shout out. Um, I have a new listener, um, a coworker, actually. Wow. So I'm huh. saying hi to oh, Laura. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> I don't think this I, yeah, I, 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 I asked her, I was like, you know, she's not a patron. No, no, hmm. no, no, no. Well, she doesn't. She's on the podcast today. So I. I uh, Capitalist pig. Right? I know. I know. So, bro, you spend the first 10 minutes of every episode talking about patrons. 10 minutes? Dude. It's I like mean, it's like two. This watch is completely bad. I mean, what, what do you say? It was like, uh, who, who said it? Oh, you said a traffic light's like two to three minutes. Okay. Yeah, depending wait, on what? what? It's right Jason's there. world. Oh. We're all just living on it. That's it. <laughs> you and Rod are in their corner giggling with each other. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dude, that makes that makes my day. Honestly, when you said 0.5 today, 2.5 conventions, I sh- lost my shit. I was like, "What is that? Like the flea market the, with the box of comics in the corner or something? How did we go to that one?" The wild pig sales. Oh, I miss those. Yeah, oh, we made a lot of friends at those wild pig shows. We really yeah, you got did. a lot of cheap book too. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes, that too. But I, I think the the friends part was the most important. Uh, friends we made along the way. Dave, <laughs> David, continue. <laughs> no, no, no. I just. Um, What's up, Laura? No, we 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 were at work today, and uh, I, I we were talking about upcoming plans, and I mentioned Charlotte next weekend. And I guess uh, one of our other coworkers mentioned that I co-host a podcast, and so I sent her the uh, sent her the Spotify link. So did you did you did you preempt it though? Let her know that like we can go off the rails. Did you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you should say what you really mean is that that I can go off the rails. No, not <laughs> at all. No, man, we can listen. I mean, I'll talk about a porn com. You never know like what we're going to talk about. I'm saying like it might Birdland. I mean, you know, yeah, there's dude, you never know. All right, no, I'm just I, saying cuz I, I don't mind she, having the target on me. Well, I knew I knew what we were going to be talking about tonight. So she goes, "Okay, I'll I'll, I'll listen in the morning." I'm like, "Maybe <laughs> not start with this episode." Maybe, <laughs> uh, <laughs> go back a couple She should start with 800 each other. She's no. Well, yeah, no, well, 800 uh, was really but I, yeah, I mean 800 might be a little Context. So yeah, I think yeah, so. But yeah, it's uh, oh, it, rightfully so. But still, yeah. it's. Uh, but I told her, I said, you've got eight hundred weeks to to choose from. So right. go nuts. I got a new hat for Charlotte. Word? Did you? Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. It's, yeah. Uh-huh. All I'm gonna say. Got a new hat. Okay. Yeah. At the last heroes, I at the yes. last year's I wore an impeach hat all weekend. Did, yes. But you know yes. that was odd because you haven't been wearing baseball caps for a long time. Yeah, it was a couple of cons before he. Yeah, yep. yeah the he was all. Oh, I'm going to wear my glasses and be all studious and shaved. Like 2017, and I think, yeah. was the last time on with a cap. Right. And then, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't roll with the baseball cap anymore. I just go full, full nah. shaved head. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you're like 98 pounds soaking wet, so it, it, I guess it works on you. No, I'm not 98 pounds. All right, Auschwitz. That's absurd. Oh, three stone. I'm 198 pounds. <laughs> Again, come back next week. We'll be here. We love you. Don't forget, get out there, buy some comics. If you have some spare time and you're in the area, go to Heroes and do it to it and say goodnight. I dumped that cup this week. Yeah. What? Why you? Why? Why are you laughing, <laughs> David? Oh, good night. Oh God, we're gonna have some fun. Somebody's gonna get pregnant. Oh my lord! <laughs> it ain't gonna be me. Done. Done having sure? kids. Yeah, I'm done. I I told Nina. I said I don't care if you're married. Start pumping the kids out. Because I want, I want li- good. I want little ones around again. I love, 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 love babies. Love them. Wow, it is. I don't think I loved a baby other than my own, and that's just because they're my own. But the the best part about grandkids, you can love them, you can spend time with them, yeah. and then you can give them back. No, I'm like oh, super sugar. excited about like the three year old and up grandkid part. But that like window of like newborn to three years when they're going to be hoping that we can babysit twenty four seven. Oh, I wanna! I'm gonna have a, a copy of Savage Dragon in that kid's head very, very quickly. There you go. They may not understand it, but they'll remember it. Yep. I just hope for my wife's sake that the kids don't move far enough away that she doesn't get to see the grandbabies. Yeah, it's rough. I'll drive her to the kid's house. You got lucky. Your kids all stayed local. Yeah. Well, for now. I mean, well, your daughters don't. I mean, they're pretty entrenched at this point, right? Well, I'm pretty sure that Mia's going to be with us forever. But Right. And I mean, and Neen's got a career now, right? There. Yeah. Yeah. Vinny wants yeah, nothing. I mean, Vinny Goomba could, could go other places. Oh, he wants nothing but out. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm not going away from, for school, but I think you should get me an apartment. Because I don't, I don't want to be home. I said... Why don't you just tell your mother you want to fuck everything with two legs? Because that's why you want an apartment. Like, whatever. We're out of here. Tell them you love them. Good-looking young man. He needs to sell his wild oats. He is a good... But what? No, no. He needs what? to be very choosy and not make rash decisions. Well, as long as he wears the Jimmy hat. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't care about that. He's got a console full of them. In the car. That's good, though. I'm saying you want. It that. is you good, but I mean, at least like hide. Them. You don't want. Un- you don't want unexpected. Well, as long as the babies. heat doesn't fuck with them, yeah. What do you mean the heat? It, it, it's fucking. It, it's in the 80s and 90s, man. Oh yeah. The car, well, we got a console. we got a three bay garage. Whatever. Yeah. Oh. I get that. <laughs> you don't have the garage at the mall. Oh shit! I'm bougie now, like Jason. Seriously? No. Seriously. Want to drop your square footage? Like oh, what, right? what are these three-day passes of which you speak? <laughs> <laughs> you're such an ass when you want to be. <laughs> you really are. And you're like, oh, man, you can eye roll any way you want, but if we didn't get the... Come on. Keep it at 100. Yeah. 
honor. Listen, it's negative get, honor. If we didn't get the, the if we didn't get the press passes, there'd be you guys would side eye going to some of these cons. You'd be like, oh no. I would pay any money to be with you two. Oh, that's nice. I'm not shitting around. It's the truth. Damn, you paint me like the ogre. That's okay. <laughs> Again, we're out of here. We love you. Tell them as much. You got a heated driveway too, or? No, nah, I don't believe in that shit. I I love nothing more than pulling out the snowblower and getting out there and doing it. Nice. I, again, I, I, I've been trying to get Vinny to cut the grass. It's no time to cut the grass. So I'm doing it, and I refuse to use the motor on the lawnmower because it's like I'm not doing anything. I, I like to push. I don't use the motor. No. So I, I push the lawnmower. He's like, Dad, you are so stupid. You why, are mental. Why don't you let the, 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 the belt-driven motor do it? I'm like, because then I'm not doing anything. I'm just guiding the thing. I want to put my back into so it. So how long is it going to take you to walk to my house from your house on Wednesday? That's not even the same thing. It's not? No. You're just being foolish. <sighs> Foolishness. Yeah. Be, be. Oh, he stumped. You see it? No, I'm not stumped. <laughs> I just don't want to go... It, it, you're being illogical. I'm not. I want to put if my back. If device has a motor, it, it's there for a reason. It is, but I don't want to use it. Because I, I, it's it's some of the only exercise I get. Let me just okay, cut well, my it. grass the way I want to cut my grass. Or not. I also weed with my teeth. Whatever. I don't own a lawnmower, so I don't listen. Oh, to of course not. Why would... <laughs> Oh shit! Too easy. I hated mowing the grass at all. I love it. I love it. I absolutely hated it. There, there's a a patch of grass in our yard. It's towards the 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 point where the the yard becomes woods. It's that that rough area between the grass proper and the woods. And sometimes when I cut it, it I don't know what plant it is that this this aroma comes from. But I absolutely love it, and I'll I'll save that point until the the end of me cutting it because we have like, I mean shit, we have a big yard, right? I I wait till the end and I just go over that part and that aroma just wafts over me and it makes everything worthwhile. I love it. So, you know, it works for some, some not. But I, Just for the it, record, two thirds of this show don't have lawnmowers. <sighs> Bushy time. Which I mean, up until twenty eighteen, two thirds did. Hey, we ain't talking about twenty eighteen, are we? No, we are not. Times change. I love to cut the damn grass. Uh, that was my alone. exercise, man. I enjoyed it. Lots of people do. All right, we're out of here. We love you. Tell them goodbye. Oh, we love them exactly. a lot. Especially the, the people we're about to see next week. Heroes For 22. Whoop. Do, do, do. It is going to be madness in a good way. Oh, yeah. Barbecue, libations, <laughs> pancakes, camaraderie, oh, yes. everything. Oh, I hope Angela's still working. I hope so, too. Oh, I got we got to see our girl. Yep. Absolutely. Although I feel bad because I feel like every time we see her, one of her family members just died. I know. There's another oh, story. Jesus. That's it's true, though, right? I, like, do you think that's a way to get bigger tips? She's not a waitress. Sometimes. No, she's, she's the hostess. No, she's the hostess. She's the hostess. Wait, she, she's wasn't our, she wasn't our waitress no, at no, all? She's the hostess. She just came over to see us, but she just seats us. And, yeah. and then, you know, 
She huh. loves us, but yeah. And remember, if you see us, hug us, because we'll hug you. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, I, people were, I, I assume we're all planning on being maskless. I'm not wearing a mask. Right. Well, no. I mean, because some. I mean, I'll have it with me in case we go. I'll I'll have one with me in case we go to. Oh yeah, you gotta have one with like it. But yeah, I'm bringing a bunch in case. Walking around the con. Establishments require them, but I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of establishments that require them down there. No, I agree. North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I have Rod in my pocket because he's so small. Dude, you just told me an hour and a half ago that I can't I'm, make one of his size. And then you're talking about him being small and figure You can't. I never said I was consistent. Never. <laughs> Bye. So long. That's it for that one. <laughs>